Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. To our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys very much for being with us here. It is episode number 174 here on Monday, April the 27th, 2020. We'll be closing out April here as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. Thanks so much for being with us here. I'm Joe Murata, joined as always by Mr. Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy, diddy. How's this life treating you? How's your apartment going? Your apartment um, dwelling? It's my only... It's your only it's my sanctuary. Only place. <laughs> yeah, it's something over not, here it's with me. Of, it's not much of a sanctuary as much as just it's where I am at all times. Yeah, except when you come here to the loft studio right. here to talk about the, the world of retro the wrestling. Two hours a week yeah. that, I, that I get a furlough from my apartment. Furloughed out of your apartment. Well, folks, whether you're furloughed, whether you're working, whether you're laying in bed with your pants off, whatever it is that you do, uh, we are thankful that you are here with us to romp through the world of retro wrestling yet again as april comes to a close here we're going to be going through some hot topics here in the uh, world of retro wrestling romp through them romping if you through them yeah um, but before we do any romping here if you have twitter you can follow us there if you don't yet at ovp podcast we bring you the best in the retro wrestling clips it's fun time over there check it out at ovp podcast you can also email us if you use email at ovp podcast at gmail.com that is Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the best place if people want to talk to you and me and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics in a non-dramatic way is over on Facebook. Yeah, facebook.com slash non-dramatic. That's, that's, <laughs> that's it's it. in the title. It's in the title. Uh, and that's a great website where you can... It is. And it has something that's also great called the search bar. Oh, what does that do? So you type in that search bar, our vantage point, death, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tubes, gore, kaflui. That's really why it's great because of that, like the, whatever that is. Bing, bang, boom, tubes, gore, kaflui. All that stuff that in behind the scenes. But anyway, it sends you to a page where you can hit join group. You hit join and you're in. And that's it. Yeah. It's, that's easy. Yeah. Wow. And you know what happens there? This is what's cool. Not only can you talk about retro wrestling in a way where, you know, we have one rule pretty much. And it is don't be what, Quinn? A dingus. Don't be a dingus. If you don't know how to do that, you just ask someone. We'll let you know. That should be rule number one, like on the sidebar where there's like the rules. Yeah. Just don't be a dingus. Okay? We, no other rules. Just yeah. don't be a that, <laughs> Just that one. I think we need to modify it to yeah. specifically that because uh, that pretty much sums up our attitude over there no drama but disagree of course you know bring up memories ask questions post funny pictures or unfunny pictures i guess but what's really cool too on the group is that's where you get to vote for certain things like the royal rankings and royal flush every season uh when we have bonus shows you get to take part in the mm-hmm. voting for that if you're interested so check it out it's a fun group we try to keep it very light-hearted it's a, it's pleasant... a real retro wrestling democracy it is really that's right and yeah so come to the cabinet there yeah. over on facebook and uh, later on in the show i want to talk about our patreon but i'll sh- mention it briefly here patreon.com slash ovp podcast is where you can support ovp but more than just supporting us what you get in return is a lot of extra content uh, right now the hot item has been the pay-per-view reviews on the five dollar tier mm-hmm. because we've completed all of the 80s quinn we have in may we're going to be kicking off with the uh, royal rumble as we start off the 90s finally which has been a long time in the making here michael i'm it's ready 90s time and we're going to start in orlando yes um, 
very <laughs> famously Orlando just because the the sky of the arena or whatever. It is classic folks. And uh, so if you want to support OVP and get your hands on a lot of content, it's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Quinn, as you well know by this point, we are going through this season, starting things off with a cool, I think it's a fun segment. I don't know what you fans think, but basically Quinn and I have been retro wrestling fans for over 25 years each. That's a long wow. time. It's 50 years combined. 50 years combined, half a century here. And, you know, when you start watching wrestling as a kid and you go on into your teen years and then into adulthood and you look back, you realize that sometimes your preferences change. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your opinions change. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your perspective changes. So oh, I'll, yeah. <laughs> so all season long, Quinn and I are going to be alternating each week, giving each other a fresh perspective on something. The sound of freshness, Michael. And the king, as I say every week. <laughs> yes, and the very king. king. It's very king. Now, Quinn, we've been going back and forth this season. You brought up 83 two weeks ago, or the pre-Hulkamania era, really. Pre. Pre. I brought up the Toddster last week well, somehow. he's a nice man. He is a nice man. Quinn, it's your pick. What do you got? Well, this week, it's more of a perspective on the Attitude Era in general. Right? The Attitude Era in general, okay? Right. WWF Attitude. Get it? When I was a kid, I, I felt like the common belief as far as like as I watched it, that like 98, right? 1998 is like, that's the attitude era. That's the strongest part of it. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin stunning everyone. Zambonis. Zambonis and right. all this nonsense. The right? rise of the rock. Right, yeah, exactly. DX. Yeah, a deadly game tournament, all that <laughs> right. shit. Right? Sure, of course. Um, But... I feel like when, especially when the WWE Network came out, when you could go back and actually watch everything. It's only nine ninety nine. Yeah, because before that, it was actually hard to really go back and definitively watch like everything. Raw and to raw. Fully understand what was going on. Sure. And my first perspective is really, and maybe this isn't news for some people, but that the, I guess, pre, is it pre-Attitude Era? Is well, it just like the Attitude Era? The Attitude what? Era is loosely defined. So yeah. what, what do we? 1997. 1997 right. uh, is what? Better? Worse? I think it's the best part of it. I think it might yeah. be too, Mike. But there's kind of a new motto in the World Wrestling Federation. You scratch my back and I'll stab yours. Just for a little background here, folks, as you probably know, but it's worth recapping, Nitro took the ratings lead in the summer of 96 and didn't look back all the way until April of 98. 83 weeks. 83 entire weeks. If only someone did a podcast titled that. Very important topic. It would be, Yes. WWF rode that wave, you know, through 98 into 99 and into 2000 to some absurd ratings. And that's when kind of the tide turned in the perception that, okay, WWF is better. Especially by 98, 99, you know, when they were doing ridiculous numbers. Right. But I think, Quinn, you are onto something is even though the boring NWO crap and the stink sitting around was, you know, sitting over on Nitro kicking Raw's ass. Raw was awesome in 97. Right. So I think what comes out of all this to me, the big concept of this fresh perspective here, right? Yes, sir. Is that because of the fallout of the new gen is why the early Attitude Era is the best Attitude Era. You know, that makes sense because when you have a normalcy for so long, which the new gen was from 94-ish, I mean, it started... Let's back it up even further real quick, okay? Yeah. The new gen as an official branding was like the spring of 94. Experience the new WWF generation. Right. Right around the time Bret Hart won the world title. Mm-hmm. But in practice, once Hogan left after WrestleMania 8, it was still pretty good. 
Once he came back, it was weird that he was like on Raw. That was also 1993, (laughs) so that doesn't help. And then once Hogan left for good, you Mm -hmm. know, in the summer of 93, then we have this slow descent into what would become the new generation, right? And it's the Toddster era. We talked about it last week. The guy was everywhere. And you're right, Quinn, 93, 94, 95, and then most of 96 is, it's just very flat. It's, they're doing their thing. Yeah. But that leads us to the end of 96 going into 97. And going into 97, um, I feel like Stone Cold is a catalyst for a lot of this. Oh, yeah. And it's not what people think. It's usually because, basically, you had this established, like, it was the way it was. Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart, they just beat everyone at the pay-per-views. They're like dual Hogan's or something. <laughs> dual like, Hogan. It's just like they're they're just the best shit, and they have like classic matches, and they pretty much always win. And if they do lose, they get their titles back, whatever, right? right? But this guy, Stone Cold, starts like upsetting the order of things. Because he's obsessed with Bret Hart. He, for, he's obsessed <laughs> with Bret Hart, but he also gets in it with Shawn Michaels. Yeah, he, too. he like, thinks he's the best, basically. Like, he, this guy comes in, and at first he's like ringmaster. You're like, who the fuck is this loser? <laughs> like, And he stinks. And then he like sheds DBS, which Good. is like part of like that's like very new gen right it's like yeah, it's it like so it starts with like this very like million dollar uh, bell yeah all this bullshit right corporation he gets rid of it right <laughs> and he upsets the order of things and like you would think at first like okay whatever it's like fuck million dollar corporation like yeah. it was bound to like end at some point right. anyway right but what this does is like it upsets the order of things right you said that already perfect example is like the royal rumble 1997. Sure. All these guys, the new gen era guys, are like, yeah, we're going to win the Royal Rumble. Bart it's like, Gun. yeah, it's like all this shit, <laughs> right? Davy Boy Smith. And this fucking guy, Stone Cold, comes in here and he basically like gets eliminated and he just wa- walks back in and then wins the whole fucking thing. <laughs> hey, it right? was like, unprecedented yeah. at the time, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. But that's just like an example, right? And Brett flips out the next night, quits the company. Like things yeah. are starting to get all basically, mucked up. Basically, things get start moving, right? It's like, meanwhile, you've got also on the side that like Sean and Brett are like not okay. Like, no, since, no. Like even in the storyline, I'm not yeah, talking story about line. like real life. Right? Storyline. Ever since WrestleMania 12, yep. Like Brett leaves. Brett's like you know the the clip he gets in his car or whatever, oh, like in his uniform, like yeah, like all that shit. Thought the match was supposed to be 60 minutes, right? So you have like rivalries that are heating up, but more to a certain extent. But I think what like I know I, I, it's not supposed to all be about Stone Cold, but Stone Cold upsets that order because like he prevents both of them. He gets like in the way <laughs> yes. of like oh. them like settling their shit, shaking your ass and making yourself a horse's ass. And in the meantime, he also hates Davy Boy Smith, who is having problems with Owen Hart, his own tag team partner. Right. So there's that going on. Yeah. So then there's like the whole undercard too. Right. It's like fucking Undertaker. People keep fucking with him. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like he's just like, oh, I want my belt back, like yeah. from like 1991 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, real. like, and then Vader's like, you know what? I have Paul Bearer now, and I'm good all of a sudden. Right. Fuck Jim Cornette. Yeah. I want the title. Sid's like I'm on a renaissance. Yeah. Okay. So the Sid thing too is like again, it's fallout from like things getting interfered with and not working out because this Stone Cold guy keeps like fucking things up. Right. And so Sid is just incredible. Also coming off the Million Dollar Corporation from the year before. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, I, honestly, it, it'd be really funny if you think about it that the, the the fallout of the breakup of the Million Dollar Corporation is really the source of it all. <laughs> But yeah, you're right, Quinn, because as as 97 rolls along, 
we get these what people like to call shades of gray where Austin's getting cheered even though he's being a dick and right. Bret Hart is getting booed and he's being a dick. I think I think Austin's getting cheered because honestly people didn't like the order of things. Well, it was in the boring. New Jersey. Yeah, it was boring, right? It was. It really, you know, looking back, it really was like a dueling Hogan situation where like kind Bret of, and but- Sean were just kind of unstoppable. Yes and, and it no. Was, the company was really about them, is my point. Yeah, but Brett hadn't really been there much for most of 96. And, you know, it's but not it was Sean. The un, it was the undercurrent, is my point. Yeah, Sean didn't have opponents. It wasn't even his fault. Like, well, he did, but they didn't want to work together, him and Vader. But, like, Mankind, the, though. That was great. And the yeah. Bulldog feud, that's not Sean's fault. That's not even Davey's fault. There's just a stupid feud with the Diana thing. That was <laughs> yeah. horrible. But all, basically, I guess what I'm trying to point out here. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Is that there's a lot of, like, intersecting things and, like, just it's very muddled and it, it's kind of this like breakdown of an entire era of shit right. that like boils over and everyone's just angry and has an attitude. And that's why it's so much better than the rest of it. And I think when we jump forward to like 98, 99, now 98 is great. 98 I'm, is really I good. I don't have any problem with 98. My pro, my as far as this segment is concerned, yeah. I think the issue is that now that the guy that came in that was new is in the forefront and they're starting to build new stars, we're further removed from the from the attitude, like, why is their attitude in the first place, right? I agree. You know? If you look, here's a good way to, to actually kind of lay that out. If you look at the big stars of 97 and the big feuds, Bret Hart, who was a longtime stalwart, has now lost his damn mind and goes on to having a fantastic year. 97's amazing for yeah, him, right? it's really good. In ring, on the mic. Steve Austin, who rose from relative WWF obscurity in the corporation, is now a big time face in '97. Right, right? he's Just not a awesome. heel anymore. Like, right, and he, if, if being, him being a heel is like the catalyst for everything, that what do you do now? Yeah. Right? If you look at Shawn Michaels in '97, he goes undergoes this transformation from the high in '96. Like yeah. I'm, I'm the face now. <laughs> Click, Vin like, man. I'm playing with the kids. Like yeah. he's got him on his shoulder doing the pose. Right, like, you know he's Mister Hero. He becomes a gigantic. Dick in 97 starts DX. Triple H, who was like, hello, I am Triple H. You I know, went from, to fancy pants yeah. wrestling school and all this. Now like, he's like Michael's crony, which we always make fun of anyway, because yeah. it's fun. You know yeah, what I mean? He but, is a crony. He's crony, but at least he's doing something more interesting, yeah. right? And he's got China. And then you look at Sid, who wasn't, I know he was only there like half of 97, but in 95, he just blinked at the camera and was like, I rule the world. Now he's mega over in 96 right. and 97. So that's what you're talking about. 98, with all those other guys gone, you got Steve Austin, The Rise of the Rock, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it was almost like a new era. It was right. like a new attitude it's, era. It's Triple like, H, Kane. It's like the attitude era is like split into this two sections, right? Right. And I don't like the, the end of the second section. Well, the end like, of the second section starts to fall apart. I think you and I have always said... Deadly Game is is probably one of the best booked things Vince Russo ever did. It's probably like the apex of the that. like the 98 style attitude era, right? Yes, I totally agree. What happened and and believe me, I know the ratings were through the roof in 99, so it's obviously people were watching myself included. We're just talking looking back. Right. What happened, and you know what's really weird is it seems to coincide with the time JR went down with Bell's palsy in December 98. Mm, That's maybe. when things it's just Probably coincidental, obviously, but when Michael Cole's on commentary, oh. it, that's just a bad period of time. I don't, bl- Kelly. <laughs> I don't want to blame Cole, but you know, yeah. that early 99 is crummy and it just is <laughs> as, as entertaining as it was at the time. What the fuck really happened? It was just blah, 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 well, blah, you it's know? It's like 
I think ultimately what happened is, is he, that's when it, the tide turned as far as like Vince McMahon. Like it's right. like it's too much Vince McMahon. It's too much McMahon's. There's a lot that's of McMahon. Where, that's where it fucking starts, and it leads to the whole like it was me all along, Austin. I hate like, that. The, that that like he like had Stephanie like I don't know like Undertaker crucified or without <laughs> yeah. a Taker symbol or whatever. Like and, and like in front of his house and can, <laughs> like by the way, if they filmed that shit, could you imagine everyone in the neighborhood like what the well, fuck yeah, is what going the on? Fuck's going on? Here? Yeah. yeah, you know, ninety nine is tough to rewatch. I certainly loved it at the time. But it didn't have the depth that yeah. that everything in '97 and into '98 did, because in '97, like you and I were just saying, it, there was there was rich history with a lot of the characters, and there was a a foundation, no pun intended, for things to build off of. Right. And '98 did that too, and built new guys like Triple H, Kane, The Rock, Mankind. But it was like more of an extension post all that right. stuff, right? You know what I mean? It was like a new era, right? '99. It's very quick television. It's very hard to not kind of just have your mind spin while you watch it. There's a lot of stuff that was entertaining, but it doesn't have the same impact or emotional connection or something. I think that it's because it doesn't have those years of build. You have to have years of mediocrity to have it <laughs> have it have it build to something, right? It's that 98 was just like it was like kind of a beginning of an era. Right. And then like 99's building off 98 not 97 and it's kind of like there's not much to say there. It's like yeah, you know I, what I mean? Like I agree. And and it just allowed them to go into just fucking weird stuff like In 99. Especially with oh, yeah. like really over You know what the weird part is? It's like they took the aspects of the Undertaker in '98 more so, and applied them to '99. Like <laughs> yeah, that's what Satan I, Taker. That's what I to me '98 is defined by like too much Undertaker and Kane like spinoff series. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it's just too much spinoff series. I know what you mean. And you know what's interesting too? I also think Vince Russo was just at the end of his rope and creatively in '99, and I think he admits that. I was really, really starting to get burnt out. 2000. Also, the Attitude Era is like a whole different thing because Austin's down with injury right. most of the year. Less emphasis on Satan Taker. Yeah, he's, shit. he's gone for half the year, right? Yeah. And then he's American Badass. And even though a lot of people don't like him, it really was a great year for Triple H. And The Rock was his main opponent for most of the year because and Mankind a little bit because there wasn't Austin. Yeah. That's a different... I know we're not talking about that era, but, but 2000's good. I think what this is emphasizing, though... Which is where I wanted to go. Is yeah, that bring I think, it all back, Michael. I think the Attitude Era in general is more up and down than people want to believe it was. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, despite the fact that I know we all watched it at the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. We did. But yeah, you're right. It, it is kind of up and down. What are you thinking about that? Yeah, it's that, it's just the the rise of it in 97 is so great. I think it's the best. And that, to me, that is the best part of it. And, you know, that's another thing I want to emphasize here. But 98 is... It's like lateral. I don't know how else to explain it. It's kind of like it goes up on a peak and then it retains. It just, yeah, it just right. flattens a little bit. It just bit. stampedes but forward. But it's good. Like, it's very it, good. But then 99 is a dip. Oh, yeah. And then 2000 is like a rise again, but it's not at the height of 97 and 98. You know what I mean? I agree with that. You you mean from your enjoyment, your perspective. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you. Exactly. I think, again, the ratings, you can look at the ratings a couple of different ways, right? Like, obviously, they were high in 99. Obviously, mm-hmm. they were high in 2000. But again, WCW was beating 
Raw in 97, but I personally feel that Raw was the superior show for the most part once the year got rolling. Right. So the ratings aren't always an indicator of what you might prefer. Yeah, and to me, I'm uh, this discussion is not really about ratings as much yeah. as it is about just like looking at it from like a entertainment yep. perspective like the storyline just totally coherency lore of yeah. the wwf at the time like, so your bottom line is 97 was the best part of it 97 is the best part and that's really my fresh perspective because as a as a kid and going into adulthood and up until basically the wwe network i was always under the impression at least in my brain that 98 was obviously the superior year because yeah. you just remember Stone Cold celebrating at WrestleMania Which is 14 great. and shit and right. like just very defiant new age outlaws and all this. Yeah. We don't even talk about stuff like that like in the undercard about how like yeah, new age outlaws upsetting too. the order and stuff like those were more big, new gen guys. Yeah, there was a lot of that. The so, Rock was yeah. a new gen guy. Exactly. And I guess Farouk. I guess what this is pointing all out though again yeah. is that it's like because of how the new gen era ended. That's what made the beginning of the Attitude Era so great. And so people fresh. don't. People look back and they just say new gens, ill, stinky. I don't like that. <laughs> but like honestly, you don't really have an Attitude Era with that. Whatever was going on, the mediocrity of it, it like came to like a boil. It was like the characters were like frustrated that it sucked. Like that's like <laughs> that's, that's, that's what, what it feels. It, that's what it felt like at the time as a kid. You're right. You know what I mean? Whereas 98.9 is riding the wave. Right. And 98 was good, 99 not so much. In 98 it's almost like they're so the riding's so high. Yeah. It's almost like they just start by the time they get to 98 it's like they completely lose perspective about like what the characters do. Like about what like why are we even like <laughs> why are we doing any of this? Why are we doing any of this? And it, it really it stems from just anger at the way the, the federation things, was yeah. in in the end of the added, the the new gen the new gen era yeah, yeah absolutely so folks that that's a great one Quinn good pick there let us know what you think about the attitude era in general the best years of it the worst years of it let us know what you think about 1997 compared to 98 and 99 you can do that of course on Twitter at OVP podcast you can email us or join the group. But when we come back, it is week two of the Royal Flush. That is right. The worst WWF Tag Team Champions of all time. We're going to pull two more names out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. The Royal Flush of Tag Champions is coming up right after this. I hate the world today. You're so good to me. I know, but I can't change. Tried to tell you, but you look at me like maybe I'm an angel underneath. McMahon says he doesn't market the more risque material to kids. But look at the cover for this hot-selling WWF Degeneration X highlight tape. It's uncensored, naked, blood-covered, and loaded with sexual innuendo. And listen to the advice for kids. Kids, put your parents to bed. They can't handle watching this. Parental discretion is advised, but completely effing ignored. Well, let me ask you. know you're marketing to kids. You sell toys to the young ones. You sell tapes to the I teenagers. I just told you we market to kids. But you're marketing the same adult content no, programming to kids. You mean to tell me you, can't you, separate you, have no, you have no sense of humor at all? Kids put your parents to bed? You? you know, come on, give me a break. What kid puts their parents to bed and watches videotape? Kids come put on. your parents to bed. They can't handle watching this. Parental right. discretion is advised, but completely effing ignored. Right. That's, that's, that's really attitudinal. And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Oh.
And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on episode number 174, Monday, April the 27th, 2020. Thank you for being with us. Quinn, you well know that we have a Patreon. Yeah, we have that. We have that. And the reason we have that, folks, is to kind of give back to you guys that want to support us. You know, we've been doing this show for over three and a half years now, and uh, a lot of you seem to like it and want the extra content. We have Patreon. It's a platform where you can sign up, give us a couple of buck, only a few buck. Only a few buck, not more than a cup of coffee. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) And that's uh, the guidance we do on the pricing. That's our index here. Yeah. And in return, you're going to get a lot of extra content. Here's a brief rundown. So again, it's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Here's what you're going to get. On the $5 tier, which is the highest that we go, that is less than a six-pack of burr. Mm. It is. Wow. Even the cheapest beer, I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to find cheap beer. And who wants to drink that? You give up... Let, you give up less than like a Miller Lite, basically. yeah, pretty much. Or you know, a number two over at McDonald's. How about that? Number you know? two, a what number is that, two? A double know. two you hamburgers know. or something. <laughs> you should know better than me. I want to get that after this show. Go ahead. Uh, so anyway, for five bucks, you get all of the stuff that we offer. That's the top tier, and it's five dollars a month, not a week, not a day, a month. And you're going to get all the pay-per-view reviews. That covers all the way back to WrestleMania 1, including the big event and WrestleFest 88 for fun. We did those. Like I've said, we are starting 1990 in May and just weeks away from kicking off the 90s. So every 80s pay-per-view has been reviewed. These are shows that are two and a half, three, three and a half, four hours long in the classic OVP style that you guys like. And it is only $5 a month. You also get on the $3 tier, the bi-weekly 1983 live reviews. That is where Quinn and I have been going through since January of 82, and now we're in May of 83. Wow. WWF Championship Wrestling in order. We live watch it. You can see it in video form, or you can just listen with the audio. We have that available, too. And it's basically Quinn and I just hanging out. Hanging out, watching um, a show. It's completely different canon. Than yeah, it's the, different than this. We, we've, we've talked about this. Yes. The, we don't know about this show on that show. Yeah, there's a whole different storyline, yeah. different arcs going on yeah. there. Different feel, different vibe. It is a fun yeah. time, though. People like it. It's very casual and laid back. It's hanging out with me and Quinn. That's on the $3 tier. And then on the $2 tier, you get to see... That's the shirt tier. That's where it's the Big raw... shirt tier. <laughs> the raw video. The making of every Monday episode, including the one you're listening to right now. You get to see the full video version of it, meaning before the show, in the breaks. The mess-ups. Not... We never mess up, Quinn. What do you mean? The most important, though, obviously, is the shirts. Yeah. We can't spoil that. You can't... I never do it. No. we. I only wear, like, the same four shirts and rotate them on I the have, show. I have very <laughs> thrilling shirts. <laughs> So that's the shirt tier, but also on the shirt tier for $2, you get a back archive of the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley extras. We have about a dozen of those and the OVP commentaries. There's over 30 of those. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. If you want to support the show, we understand if you can't or simply don't want to, that's fine. But we encourage you to check it out. If you like OVP and you want more stuff, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And while we're here, I also want to mention if you use iTunes, Apple Podcasts, they mm-hmm. call it. Could you leave us a review? We'd really appreciate that. Well, yeah, it just, it's it just very, helps. It's very helpful. It, it um, is, seriously. really helps people see what this show is all yeah. about. It lets people see that people do listen to it. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> what they think of it. So it's true. If you could do that right now, we'd really appreciate that. All right, Michael. Time for the Royal Flush. This mm. has been already one week in, and we are already shrouded in controversy. Oh, my God. With the Royal Flush. People will not. Woo! They they are very upset about the first week, huh? They are. Uh, now, what the Royal Flush is, folks, in the Royal Rankings, in case you're new to the show, this is your first time listening, is before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, you, the fans, to vote. <laughs> you give us your 10 best and 10 worst of something. For this season, it was Tag Team Champions, WWF. 
Joe Merkel, our good friend of the show, statistical analyst, uh, analyst there. Very statistical. Looking at the weenus. Yes, Fran, I know what time it is, but I'm looking at the weenus and I'm not happy. He will uh, compile all these into two separate tanks. One for the best, one for the worst. Quinn and I alternate each week. We pull out two names. We rank them. So that way, at the end of the season, what you will have is the definitive, scientific, classified, certified, USDA, organic, ordained, baptized, and healthy, best and worst tag teams of all time. So this week is the flush, and right now on the list, number one, the (laughs) right to censor. Well, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Number two, Money Incorporated. Now I'm happy about that. You are. You are the only one, I think, that's happy about that. As we've said, folks, we don't vote. We just rank them. The I, fans yeah. voted the song. So I didn't vote this in. No, no. I agree with it, but I didn't vote uh, hey, it Hey, hey. <laughs> They're not that bad. But those, Stop it. Those are the two on the board right now, but we're going to be pulling two more names out in a second here. So why don't we go down to the recently departed, the best ring announcer of all time. This is true. Let's go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Flush. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal! We are coming to WWE to teach you Americans a lesson. What do you say? We make like a banana and split. Heinrich, the animal, an old-fashioned road warrior butt kicking. And we are the Spirit Squad! The Strongo Brothers, World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, William Regal and Eugene. Nicholas has a scheduling conflict. I mean, he's still in the fourth grade. It is the Royal Flush of Tag Team Champions, mm-hmm. Michael Quinn. Now, yeah, Money Inc. Notwithstanding, can we cut it out with the toilet? That's here? Money Inc. Mad in the toilet right now. <laughs> Money Inc. Okay, that's quite enough. Uh, Money Inc. Notwithstanding, we have two more names to pull out here. We're going to see where they rank now. Quinn, bad bad tag team champions of which Money Inc. is not one. Uh, Excuse me. Could be classified by a team that is uh, rather uneventful, inconsequential as a tag team champion. Maybe don't have very notable reigns or not reigns for very long, right? Mm -hmm. And we have a list here. We have a tank of eight more names. Two are coming out to play. They are coming out of the tank. Um, yes. We're letting the nozzle go, and they're yeah. flowing out. <laughs> yes. it's, it's amazing. So I am excited to find out, because we got to keep Money, Inc. at the bottom of this list here. They do not even deserve to be well, here. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, fans, count us down as we find out who drew number three. Well, Quinn, if there's anything that you know would really get the fans riled up in the early 2000s, it's the hate for the French. Yeah, what, was, <laughs> this, was this the whole freedom fries thing? Yeah. Why, was, why was this yes. made? This is, I think, why, and yeah. I'm not kidding. Changing the name of French fries to freedom fries. This is very important work for a congressman to do. Uh, the Freedom Fries team, it is La Resistance, which was Sylvain Grandier, Rene Dupree, and sometimes Rob Conway. Or most of the time, I'm yeah, not usually, sure. I'm usually. Not, you know, their whole history is very muddled. Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to clear it up a little bit. Yeah. So La Resistance, folks, uh, 
burst onto the scene, I guess you could say. <laughs> hot in, <team. laughs> yeah, hot. In the spring of 2003, they had these vignettes of which you heard one in the intro to the Royal Flush, where they're like, they're basically doing the whole foreigner thing. Like, they're, always. They're this whole Dino Bravo Dino shit. Dino Bravo. Like, a little they, Ludwig Borga in there. You it's Americans. A, it's actually like the reincarnation of like Canadian earthquake, Dino Bravo, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. The Rougeaus. Frenchie Martin. Yeah, it, it is yeah. that, though. It's like. Americans suck. Well, right. good for you. What an original thought. We oui, we oui. <laughs> like, yeah, we oui, we. Oui. Yeah, all the all the French jokes. <laughs> yeah. It seems we have a history of dominating and destroying cultures and nations that don't buy into your propaganda. Well, it's not going to work with us. Sylvain Grenier and Rene Dupree were the initial La Resistance. They're both team actually there. French or French yes. Canadian, yes, whatever. That's correct. And they come out on the scene in uh, the spring of 2003. They win their first tag team titles from that hot team of Kane and Rob Van Dam. <laughs> it's very, it's the height of the era, really. I mean, real trendsetters, Kane and RVD. This is at Bad Blood, which was still a pay-per-view in June of 2003. It's amazing when you look back at the tag titles in general during this time period. You're just like, what even? These teams. It's just like exists to like make a match sort of matter more than it already does. Pretty much. Oh, Two-man flapjack, the hook of the leg. That title is on the line. It's over. What the heck? It's over. Here are your winners. It's over. And the new world tag team champion, La Resistance. Oh, my God. La Resistance is now our tag team champions, and they have actually a decent enough reign. It's three months, which back then, or even now, that's something. Yeah, three that's, months. That's true. <laughs> it like, is. Three months is like an eternity back <laughs> <Yeah>. then. <laughs> and then lose them to the Dudley Boys, uh, Bubba and Devon, of course, at Unforgiven in September. Now, along the way, not really that long after forming, I think it was May of 03, they add the American turncoat to the team. Right. Rob Conway, who yes. would, of course, later go on to fame as the Con Man. <laughs> Seems as though the Con Man's having a little trouble with WWE legends. See, they don't know that their time has passed. It's over. Two weeks ago, Doink the Clown took a legendary beating at the hands of Rob Conway. Such a great... <laughs> Rob Conway is one of those guys, right? I feel like people forget about him. Like, he was and, good talent. And he was funny. Like, he's kind of like... You know who he reminds me of as far as, like, his career trajectory is concerned? Fandango. Fandango. Fandango is a guy, in my opinion that he's actually fairly talented as far as like a personality is concerned but just never got traction it just never worked out it's the same way with Rob Conway I guess so yeah Conway was like a consummate professional yeah. right a good hand yeah the con man gimmick from a little later like 0607 yeah. was kind of funny because right. he had a hat yeah it's true so he had a hat <laughs> that made him a, a con man. and he was a con man <laughs> that now. made him a con man well also his name's Conway I know that's like a Barry Darso gimmick if there ever oh, was one yes seriously <laughs> like Rob Conway yeah he just represents that great jobber kind of yes. like, like character thing but in that time period he, like i remember a lot of ron con rob conway matches right or they come back from commercial break already in ring yep. rob conway like no introduction <laughs> yeah, at all just like real. and then like Shawn michaels just super kicks him in like five minutes <laughs> and a match where like sean somehow makes it more than it's worth yeah of course like, you know what i mean like, that's the, his that, mo during that was that like time. the trend on raw a lot back then i have a vivid rob conway memory of um the debuting Highlanders. Remember them? Rory oh, and Robbie. I don't. Some of these people, it's like that era is full of like, just, yeah. you don't remember any of this because it was just so weird. That was like summer of 06. And uh, they debuted against the already in the ring team of Matt Stryker. 
and Rob Conway. I remember that vividly for some weird That's reason. That's a weird remembrance. <laughs> yeah, of, well, I was like, why are they teaming? That is so random. And who the fuck are the Highlanders? Why are they the Bushwhackers remember the from Scotland? Wasn't the Highlanders music like fucking... Wasn't it, it was good. basically Hornswoggle's music? I don't think so. Tonight at Area Team Matt Spracker, your teacher, and Rob Conway. They're going to be in oh. tag team action here against the debuting. Look at that vest Matt's wearing. He's been shopping at JC Ugly. So La Resistance round two here. They uh, win the tag titles on May 31st, 2004 on Raw in yeah. Montreal, mind uh, you. That's okay. probably why they did it. They were just there because the tag titles don't matter. It's like, yeah, let's <laughs> make it interesting, right? And uh, they lose to the team. Again, this era of Edge and Chris Benoit, who was also the big gold champion at the time. That was a team. Apparently, that's. I thought you were going to say like Edge and Randy Orton. That would have made more sense. RKO. No, that not no four. So they win them there, May thirty first of four, and they have another rather long reign, especially for this time of almost five months. That's not bad. Not bad until October of two thousand four, Taboo Tuesday. Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> when they lose them to the team of Edge and Chris Benoit. <laughs> now, okay. How much you want to bet? Why did they do that, though? How much you want to bet, first of all, that that Taboo Tuesday, that there was some stupid voting provision? You know what yes, I mean? Yes, they got voted in. That's exactly what happened. Chris on Edge got so voted in. In case yes. you guys don't remember the Taboo Tuesday, what it even was, because this is like the only time we could ever talk about it. It's like literally it was a pay per view where the fans voted in polls to determine like they what kind of real. matches or whatever. Like I remember most. No notably, way it was I remember real. most notably, like the most notable thing that happened out of that is the fans got to vote for which diva costume yeah, in that real. battle royal that thing really happened. with the schoolgirl one and it was like it actually was only funny because it was during the Trish is a serious heel phase and yes. she had to dress like the schoolgirl and, and, like, right? and she was all mad about yeah. it and it was actually like sort of funny Trish was good she then she played it up basically she did I should also, men- also mention that during this match here at Taboo Tuesday Chris Benoit uh, won the title himself technically because Edge abandoned him yeah good during the match. What? Anyway, La Resistance wins them again a couple of weeks later because why the hell not? And this is the Conway and Sylvain Garnier version win this, them. To me, this was the steadfast version. Like You the, like that version the, better? Well, the first one didn't last as long. No, I guess they, they so, yeah. They were forever. Conway and Dupree, <laughs> I think it was. Or am I mixing Conway it up? Conway and Gagne. Gagne. I think Dupree I, was injured, right? Okay, yeah. Dupree's the one that disappeared. Yeah. So they win them uh, on November 1st on Raw. They lose them two weeks later to William Regal. And Eugene, <laughs> who's in the intro, <laughs> yeah, and then win them back at a house show in January of 2005. It's very tag team title in 2005. Yeah. Conway, doing things, Conway and Grenier, and they finally drop them to William Regal and Tajiri. What February 4th, 2005? Remember that team? Yeah, no, I don't. That's uh, the thing. I, oh, the William Regal I mean, Tajiri do, was but... fun because it was like it was just like the Eugene thing, but actually funnier. Well, because Regal is just fantastic yeah, and can Regal, do anything. Regal was one of those guys back then. They he could was throw great, him man. with anybody, and he would just make it work. It's like, oh, look at this proper English man. It's so fish out of water. Stop bowing! You're driving me crazy. That, that's my house boy. I know. That guy had such good comic timing yeah. that he could have been an actor. He yeah. really seriously could have been. His comic timing was incredible and his facial expressions and one everything. Day, one day we need to talk about this era. In, because it, the, this this whole conversation just about this team that we're talking about here, La Resistance, they're very of this time. It's a ruthless aggression era, right. which I hate. But I think there's, <laughs> Sorry. I think there's like okay. hidden things in it that are not awful. 
There are things that are good. Oh, yeah. there absolutely are. Yeah. Seriously. It's just that a lot of people, myself included, I guess, associate it with Triple H. Yeah. Like the worst arc of Triple H. I know that That's like true. he's a great, he the was Harley boots. Race or something. Yeah, but yeah. what a snooze fest that guy was in the main event scene. Right. Seriously. Thank God you had like Shawn Michaels <laughs> hanging around because he's the he only was one good. that like kept it going. Shawn was awesome yeah. in the 2000s. Um, really, he really was. So anyway, that's the run there. I, I don't know why they... I guess people just didn't like them. They're fine. It was just like, I don't know. It was just like you know, honestly, it just sounds okay. like it sounds like Vince. This whole thing, this whole run, right? What yeah. it was was like Vince, like you know, the Freedom Fries thing that was like <laughs> around when they started or whatever. That's gotta be it. I'm and, telling and you, like Vince, just it's like Vince beating a dead horse. Old joke yep. just kept them around forever. <laughs> they were like <laughs> around for so long, like three years practically. Yeah, it which was is a while. like way outlasting the joke. They took on the Rockers at a one-time reunion, right? Wasn't Did it Mar- Sean and Marty against well, them? Resistance yeah. was one of those teams they would anytime they needed like a tag team thing. Yeah, they were they, there. They were just there, yep. sitting around. Yep, and then, the dogs. Remember the the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the the poodles or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and even Conway stuck around like a couple of years after that. Yeah. So anyway, you know, the, Conway was the talented. Conway one. was really good. I mean, they're all. I, don't, I didn't. They're heels, so you're not supposed to like them. They're okay wrestlers. I remember Dupree went off on his own at some point. I think he Nobody did. cared about Grandier. He, there's no. a reason he was like the one that sticked around it's in the team. Because of his name. Yeah. No one wants to bother to pronounce that. I couldn't even remember it when we See, were talking about this. Sylvain Grandier. It's, it's just, too much. It's too much. It's too much. You have to move your mouth too much to yeah. pronounce that. Yeah. But anyway... They're okay. We'll have to see where they rank. I don't have yeah. a major problem with them. It's nothing they're really funny. notable. They're, whatever. they're French and they don't like the U.S. What yeah, maybe they can beat Money, Inc. No, no one is beating Money, Inc. <laughs> it's when possible. I'm not standing for this. <laughs> All right, you want to find out who drew number uh, four? Sure. Okay. Fans, take it away. The dynamic young duo of Bob Sport, Plug Holly, and the one, two, three kid. The Cinderella story, Quinn. It's uh, the one, two, three kid and Bob spark plug now, Holly. This is very five seconds long. This like, literally the, is twenty four hour rain. This is like, so. This was at Rumble ninety five. Yeah, there's a backstory on this. Okay, it's, you ever heard of Shawn Michael? Mm-hmm. You've heard of Shawn Michael, right? I heard of him and Diesel. They had been the tag champions. Remember, they won them the night right. before SummerSlam '94. And then something about they were leaving in a car, and they, you know, you know what I mean, like at like Survivor Series or something. Right. And they like threw them down or whatever. It, it is real, yeah, yeah. So they win the head shrink. They win from the head shrinkers, kind of unexpectedly at a house show in Indianapolis the, the night before this. SummerSlam. No, it's fine. I love it because it's unexpected, right? Right. And, and it, but it makes sense because these are like literally two top tier. Like this is when they would. It was more rare for two singles kind of guys to kind of team up and just dominate. I think it was unprecedented at yeah. this point. Yeah. It's to, to be tag champions anyway. Right. You know? Well, they sort of hinted at it with Owen Hart and Bret Hart teaming up at Rumble 95 or Rumble 94. 94. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Like that's something like that could happen. Right. And of course, the Mega Powers is really the root of that's that. That's the root of it. Yeah. Now here, of course, we can all trace it back to Samu eating the bad fish or whatever. <laughs> that's why the Shrinkers had to drop the belts. It always comes down to fish <laughs> with tag teams, huh? Yeah. So Sean and Diesel became the tag champions and Diesel also lost the IC title at SummerSlam. So they're having some problems along the way. They have a very good match. It was on Action Zone. It's on uh, one of the Coliseum tapes. I think it's on Slamfest 95 against Razor Ramon and the 1-2-3 Kid. They defend the belts, I think, against them on mm-hmm. Action Zone in October of 94. Very good. 
Very good match. I think I've seen that on like like you said other tapes. Yeah, also. fantastic match. Something with Stan Lane hosting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's either him or DBS. I can't yeah. remember which Horrible. tape it's on. <laughs> That's the one hour coliseums where they don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> Shiny time video or whatever the fucking like <laughs> no. other production company is. No, not the good times, but those are worse. <laughs> those are. What's the one where like gorillas like he's like in the shitty like all, all American set and for the, the whole tape? It's like and this match occurred like. I, you know, I'm, that's the one I'm thinking of. I know what you mean with Gorilla. Oh, welcome. Uh, what do I have to do here? What am I yeah. doing? What tape is this for? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the WWF's most unusual matches ever. Ever is a long, long time, folks. You know, even as we speak, the WWF is has constantly innovated and constantly coming up with all kinds of new matches. But these are matches that have gone down in the past, and they are classics. Good times, uh, good not times not home video. Coliseum no, video. those are real fun. They're recorded in LP. <laughs> the, the quality is horrible. LP. Yeah. Who what, does that? Who the fuck is Good Times Video? Like, what was that? They released very cheap stuff. Uh, usually, <laughs> stuff in public domain. How did they have like? <laughs> I don't know. Like Coliseum existed though. Like, I don't that's, know like, why. How, why were they a thing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. If you know out there, let us know why there were Good Times home <laughs> video the, releases. WWF like offloading their home video section. <laughs> yeah. it's like we don't want this shit. Here, have it. Yeah. Anyway, Sean and Diesel. Diesel's getting tired of getting kicked in the face because it happened at SummerSlam. It happened in this tag match in October. Very accidental, though. Oh, yeah. And it happens at Survivor Series where Sean's being a douche uh, and doesn't tag in the whole time, finally does, kicks Diesel. So they go to the car and yeah. <laughs> Michael's like, yeah, well, I don't want the tag belts and leaves in his car. I don't need this shit. I, mean, yeah. I gotta go get the world title yeah. anyway. <laughs> so we have to crown new champions. We have a tournament that takes place mainly on superstars. The final of that tournament is at Royal Rumble 95, and it is the Cinderella team, as they say, of the one 2 3 kid and Bob Sparkplug Holly, <laughs> uh, who are taking on the million-dollar corporations, Bam Bam, Bam Bigelow and Tonka. Now, wait, doesn't, when they lose this, isn't this what leads to the LT shit? Yeah. Yeah. So the way they play it up here, and it's actually a pretty decent match, in, right. a, in, in all seriousness, at the Rumble, is Bam Bam Tonka. I mean, you got Bam Bam Bigelow, 400-pounder. Tatanka, whom, whatever. But Kid and Holly are like these se- severe underdogs. Well, and that's I mean, how- they're both choppers, basically. Essentially. And that's how Vince sells the whole match on commentary. Nicely done. Bam Bam is poaching this. The kid is down. One, two. He got it. He got it. So the shock of, you know, the kid and Holly, they win. That's why Vince is really playing that up because LT is laughing at Bam Bam. Like, right, you fucker, yeah. you lost to those little I totally drones. forgot this had anything yeah. to do with that. Like, that's really weird. <laughs> so that goes off in its own thing. But yes, the kid and Holly are, oh, we're the tag champs. Yay. You yeah. know? And of course, they lose them the next night on Raw to the smoking guns. So can I ask a question about this? Because yes. this is a. Pe- a piece of history i don't remember yep why the next night was it face versus face was it the okay. guns like promised a shot or some shit from what i remember i'm doing this one off memory yeah. folks correct me if i'm wrong i think the guns in real life were supposed to win okay i think either before or during the tournament billy injured himself so they couldn't be in the tournament and thus go to the finals All right so what they did is they had the kid and Holly win it, and then by the time you know it was the next night, then the guns were ready, right? And they couldn't have Bam Bam and Tatanka win because they had to the LT Correct. shit had to happen, so they were in this weird spot. Right? Yeah, that's the only reason. So they had exactly one defense, and you know what's interesting too? The one, two, three kid the year before in January. 
had won the tag titles for one week with Marty Jannetty right. from the and, Quebecers. And so, as a kid, this used to confuse the shit out of me because I would merge these memories. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's like the same exact storyline. It really just is. Just like rehashed because they had to replace the smoking guns or whatever. That's all it is. Whereas in 94, I think they just did it to mix things up a little bit. Yeah. That's the only reason it's I more could interesting. think of. I like the kid and Janetti win on the yeah. Quebecers. It's like a huge. You ever see that win? It's like I've a seen that one. Huge pop. Yeah. The kid and Holly, though. I mean, they weren't supposed to be the champions. That was right. just like a filler. So it was a nice moment. One night filler. Weird to see Bob Holly with a belt. I, yeah. <laughs> that, well, at that time, that's not the hardcore belt. But yeah. Well, because this is Bob Spark Plug Holly. Right. Sparky Thurman Plug. That we talk about this. <laughs> you want to talk was, about that? Well, he just looked like a fucking doofus. <laughs> so he had like the long, stringy brown hair, thinning, yeah. white boots with the like fake Bret Hart attire, but, <laughs> but race racing things on it, red yeah. racing version. Yeah. And yeah. That, like his backstory was he was like an actual race car driver for WWF <laughs> racing or something. I don't know. Like that'll get him over. Yeah. Why <laughs> did every com- By the way, why is there two wrestling companies that exist that have a racing division in this time period? Oh, it appealed to a set segment of the audience in the South, I guess. I just why did my guess. actually that's a weird nineties thing is just every sports having like a racing division. Like didn't the NBA have like a race car division? Oh, I'm too? sure like, they did. Like it's just weird. The WWF also and WCW also had monster truck people also. Yeah. So I mean I wonder you just gotta appeal to the I masses, wonder, Quinn. Was it just very cheap? To yes. like slap their name on it. Yeah. Like, I'm and, sure and it, it was. just free sponsorship. It gets their name out there. Because, you right. know, those Indy 500s, I mean, those have like thousands of people. So if they see and WF NASCAR? on a car for like sure. four hours straight, <laughs> like, you know, they're like, oh, maybe I'll go watch that when I get home. Yeah. See, and NASCAR, same thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but Bob Holly had debuted in the WWF in January 94. You know what's funny about that? Another little connection here. He was not supposed to debut at the Royal Rumble 94, but he did. And the reason for that is because the one, two, three kid injured himself right before the Rumble. So Bob Holly, Sparky Plug, excuse me, had to take his place in the Royal Rumble match. So his actual debut was as a nobody in the Royal Rumble match oh, in '94. Isn't that funny? Then, uh, and he previously was like, we saw him in something, right? Like he, some weird, oh, yeah. shitty indie fed. He wouldn't. <laughs> you know, do you want to upset the cult of Cornette Quinn? He, uh, we saw Bob oh, Holly smoky. in Smoky Mountain as you know. Hollywood Bob Holly, which God, that I was bad. Can someone f- clue me in? Was that supposed to be ironic because he's clearly like from the South and not Hollywood, or were they playing it straight? I can't remember because his hair was good or something. <laughs> I, I, I don't and know. He, dr- he legit dressed like Bret Hart in yeah. Smoky Mountain. It was like the pink and black. It was exactly the same. Yes. Yeah. But I don't know if that was supposed to be ironic or if that was really you know played straight. But anyway, that's the ring. What the hell else is there to talk about? I mean, they I mean, won it and they lost it the next it sure, night. It sure existed. So does that make them bad? We'll have to find out in ranky time. Do you did you like it at the time when they won? I liked it. I thought it was okay. <laughs> I, I did. Like, it was I was one happy. of the fir- it was one of those like I said, it's one of the first papers I ever saw. So I remember right. this win. Yeah, I do too. It I was... just also remember it being brief and like you know a day or whatever. Did... And, and it was so brief that was, I remember as a kid thinking like. I was misremembering what I watched because they were like not the champions like already. Right. And back then, most champions lasted a little bit longer than that. Yeah, like, usually you know? more than a day, right? Yeah. Now, did you like the guns at the time? Or yeah. You, you did? I like the smoking guns. Did you? Yeah, the the ones that look like they're 45 years old yeah, or whatever. Yeah, porn stars yeah. with the, <laughs> the hats and all that. I don't know if I liked them. I do remember being very happy when Yoko and Owen beat them. Really? At WrestleMania. You weren't? I loved it. I thought um, it was the best thing ever. I no, still do. I, I liked it. It was just that I was actually heavily invested when the guns went to try to win them back. 
like I was the next like, month at the, in your house. Yeah, I was like, oh, like come on, man! They got <laughs> they get they, 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 they It's like they got ambushed right. like at WrestleMania, right? Like they didn't know who their opponents were going because because remember Owen yeah. was like keeping it a secret. Yep, yep. And like the former WF champion Yoko, like it was like that's kind of like if you don't know that's coming. I felt like it was like unfair, fatter than ever too. Right, exactly. Very big man. But yeah, anyway, that's the kid in Hollywood. Like I said, there's really not much to say. The kid was obviously a great worker, ninety four, ninety five, mm-hmm. and Bob Holly was solid. Right. He really he looked like a dork. That's the yeah. problem. He just looked like a big doofus. Until he like shaved his head. I always thought and became that hardcore, yeah. Hardcore Holly was sort of cool. Like Yeah, no, I the, liked him. But I ended up liking the crash Holly aspect of it better. That was but, the best part. Yeah. But yeah, Bob Sparkplug Holly never did it for me. They they yeah. gave him a little bit of a run in ninety five. He got to team up with Brett and the kid on Raw. They kept him like floating like he, in, he in was, the mid card. He's very he's very new gen. Very whole, new Bob, gen. Bob Holly's another one. And then he becomes a new Midnight Express member and then finally Bombastic Bob. Or, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and Bodacious Bark, okay, right? that's it, right? Yep, and then he's the Job Squad, and then finally Hardcore. So, I mean, he had a nice little arc there. It turned out okay for him. And we all know the kid, you know, six yeah. and then X-Pac. A lot but, of numbers. A lot of... <laughs> Speaking of numbers, Quinn, it is ranking time. Let's run down the unfortunate list again. At number one, I agree with this one. It's right to censor. Right. Of course. That's, that's totally right. Number two is Money, Inc. This that's is crap. One. No, yeah. it is not. They are good. The second worst tag team of all time. No, they're not. Well, champions. not for long. All right. La Resistance. Yeah. Very similar vibe here to Money, Inc. in terms of their heels, and they were solid. I, I don't... Yeah. What are you thinking? I don't... Mm, well, they're very forgettable is the problem. You think all like things we considered? Said, very, they're already in the ring kind of team. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're a placeholder team. They are so that well. Here's the problem: is there a place? <laughs> this is what's so interesting about them is that they're a actual team, like a like always a team. Yes. In a time when like it was really the era of like, era of like Rob put, Van Dam and Kane, for yeah, example, Big Show and somebody, the like, world it, champion and Edge, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, you're right. They were an actual team with the gimmick, with the personality, with the story during a time period <laughs> when it wasn't about that. So right. they were like they were basically the they served the purpose of just being crushed by these like super teams of like two single stars, right? And the Rockers. really was like the Mega Powers like variations era. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, well, it's like whoever can put together the best super team yeah. wins. It took them a long time to come out of that. Sometimes they still resort back to that crap, Well, because too. you know what I have to say from, a like, a logic perspective? Yeah. How do you get out of that? Because, like, the only people that can beat a super team is another super team. I know. Like, it's, that, that's all I'm saying. It's I know it's aggravating. Bad, but, yeah. But at least they did come out of it later with like guys like the Usos and the Bar and uh, the Revival, a bunch yeah. of different teams. And they, you know what they did to do that, which I always thought was great? What? Is that they said like, no, these guys are like, they're racking up the wins as a team and they yes. understand how to be a team. And then yeah. eventually those kind of teams started to root out the super team. Right. See, that's how you come out of it. Yeah. But anyway, that said, Quinn, I personally think, and, and maybe this is era related because we're about ten years apart or so on the era here. I think Money Inc. is more memorable. That's true. I think what they did mattered a little bit more to the time that they wrestled in. Yeah, <laughs> I think they were more of an anchor for better or for worse because an anchor also weighs things down. Well, that's really fucking deep, Captain Idiot. A vast ye dickhead, starboard side of my ass. But I think they were more of an anchor to the tag division than La Resistance I was. I agree here. I'm with you all the way. So, now, I don't think that RTC is better than um, fucking La Resistance. La Resistance. No, RTC, here's the thing. Right? worse, for that matter. 
better in the worst or whatever. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Basically, RTC should stay number one is what you're saying. Yes. I agree with you there because RTC was less defined as a team. They were more aggravating. Not in the good way. Well, yeah. They were less important. Again, La Resistance at least was a team with a with a well, I guess Right to Censor was a team and a stable with a gimmick and a purpose, yeah, too. Yeah, but La Resistance was really, like, established by the end of it. Like, they were around. They were, yeah, they RTC had a long was, run. like, a couple months. Like, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, the tag team RTC was just an outgrowth of, like, what was really going on in the RTC. It was, like, it's the usual, like, we gotta, if it's gonna be a big faction, they gotta get some belts. Yeah, they, like, easily just got the tag belts, and it's just kind of a... It's like, uh, just get out of here. Remember, they're like interrupting the whole like <laughs> Dudley's Hardy. Yeah, and we talked Christian about shit. that, right? And it's all just to make RTC the faction right. seem better for plus, some reason. Plus, it derailed the good father there. And, uh, oh, yeah, that too. And Barry Buchanan, one of the best wrestlers, no, underrated well, wrestler. And that needed to be derailed. He is good. Horrible. Pat Buchanan. So, yeah, I could keep La Resistance. Yeah, I'm, better. I'm fine. I think this is like, this is good. Okay. Kid and Holly, this is weird because. It was one day, so they can't be good. At the but same, they can't be bad either. At the same time, they <sighs> we always hit this. Like, I know. This, I feel like this happens a lot. Where it's it like, does. if they they hold something for one day, it's like everyone's like, "Oh, what a horrible team!" or whatever. Yeah, they're not bad. They did what their the, win was good. Okay, let me put it into this. If we can only judge it by one day, right? Yeah. What they did at the time <laughs> was good. Yes, like, it was, their win was good. It, it was surprising and yes. like. You know, as a kid, I didn't know any of that LT shit was coming. So, like, I, you know, I thought that, you know, obviously, Bam and Bigelow and Tatanka are going to win the belts, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're just bigger stars than the one, two, three kid and Bob Holly. Most people are. Yeah. But they defended them dutifully the next night against the Smoking Guns in a respectful match and then lost them Mm -hmm. with grace. That said, it didn't matter. (laughs) <laughs> None of it mattered. I think they just need to be number four because and that doesn't mean they'll stay. I mean, number number three, excuse me. Money Inc. goes down to number four. They're not better than Money Inc.? Uh, no, they're not better than Money Inc. <laughs> Actually, maybe they're just right below RTC because at least La Resistance had a reign. That's true. Right? You I know mean, what? That's fair to La Resistance. Maybe because, you know, honestly, I feel like we're a little jaded against La Resistance and we have to like yeah. look at them as like what they are. They're not that bad. <laughs> they really aren't. They did the function of a heel tag. Team. Anyway, they had some humor to them, and, yeah. and Rob Conway's always great. Right. I, I really think Rob Conway's like an underrated, he like, is. goofy thing. He's like, fine. Is he like one of? Is he one of those guys like fucking um, Johnny Swinger and all that who are still around? Like, like Pierre. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like somehow Rob Conway is like somewhere on the indies somewhere. I don't know if he's still wrestling. Oh man, that would be so great if he like made it back to WF. I don't know if he's still wrestling, but did you know that he, I guess, like, went to the WWE as a guest trainer in 2018? A trainer? Guest trainer. Well, you know, if you want to learn about being a con man, he's the man for you. That's true. I mean, he might have been trained some up-and-coming con men, if he you will. He took his name and made it into, like, his, his true last name and just made it into a thing. It's pretty good. Yeah. He, he also, this is very important, he was ranked number 45 in the PWI 500 oh. in 2004. Okay, that's that's, that's a good, good ranking that's for a, Rob Conway. Top 50. Yeah. Now, is that during the Con Man era or during the like tag team? It's during the La Resistance era. Okay. But still, not bad. Number 45? You know, there should be a segment where we just go through old PWI rankings just to see how like relevant they ever were. 
How could we pull that off? Bonus show, maybe? I don't know. It's probably better as a bonus show it, than a recurring fun, segment. I wish we had the actual, like, <laughs> we had two copies of the, so we could be actually looking through the the old shitty paper. Ogden, Utah, send yeah. it to us. Yeah. I would love to do that, though. Remember that, the paper in those magazines? It was very crummy. It was yeah. like it felt like it could fall apart at any felt second. Like the ink came off on your hands. It, sometimes it did, Quinn. Yeah. I don't know what they were using to publish that crap over there. And <laughs> like felt, aggravating. It felt like shitty toilet paper, like on a rest stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Freaking after mags. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't call them the after mags. Sorry, Bill. All right. That said, Quinn, La Resistance. Justice for La Resistance. I think that we put. The kid and Holly worse than I, them. I agree with you. But our that kid, was a good call. Thank you. Because I was I was really going to put them in between. But oh, honestly, right. but, like, no, I mean, they don't deserve it. No, they're fine. Yeah. Kid and Holly versus Right to Censor. Oh, I mean, Right to Censor is worse. Even though they had more of a well, run. Kid, kid and Holly, at the very least, are memorable. Functional. No one, everyone remembers Right to Censor. Yeah, but nobody... Have you ever heard Right to Censor ever talked about? Even in W. Positively. Even in WF, they don't even talk about them. Like, they still sometimes will bring up this, like, oh, Cinderella story, oh. like, <laughs> occasionally. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, RT- RTC is memorable, but I also remember getting in a car accident when I was six. You know, so, so, I mean, well, okay. memories don't mean... Here's the thing about thing. RTC. I think what you're, when you say memorable, yeah, you're thinking of... Ivory and Stevie Richards, not Goodfather and Bull Buchanan. Good, I love Bull Buchanan. Goodfather. Or Brad. What was his name during Brad, this? Yeah, just Brad. Let's go with or that. Mr. Buchanan. No one is Brad. Whatever he was. was like, just Buchanan, I the, think. The point is, Bull. is that they were the side people in RTC. They weren't even like the main thing. It like was, they were just to prop up RTC. Like it's like, oh, they got tag champs in it's them. It's some kind of like post-apocalyptic aborted version of the horseman where you have like Stevie Richards as the J.J. Dillon and then you have this tag team which yeah. is the, the Tully and Arn and then like, Ivory's the Ric Flair literally yeah, and Val Venus is the like mid-card yeah. guy it's really bad anyway right to censor <sighs> yeah. fuck them yeah Kid and Holly at number two yeah right right to censor staying at number one R- RTC stinks okay <laughs> <laughs> I think they do. I, you're right. I think there's actually teams on this list could be worse than them, but like, yeah, probably. As far we'll as right see. now is concerned, I think we're okay. I think we're okay too. So let's finalize it here and let's send some, I guess, congratulations. Because uh, still at number one is right to censor. Number two, the newcomers here, the one, two, three kid, and Bob Spark Plug Holly. Number three, La Resistance. Not that bad. Yeah. Not that bad. Not the worst. And speaking of not the worst, this is the best of the worst. I'm what? talking Money, Inc. I don't know. Whatever. Very happy for them staying at the bottom of the mm-hmm. list here. Folks, that is the worst WWF Tag Team Champions of all time for the Flush Week 2. Let us know yours. You can do that on Twitter. You can email us or join the group. But, Michael, when we come back, we're going down to Texas, partner. Howdy. Grab, yeah. your, grab your hat. Howdy. Get your hat, Quinn. Yeah. Because we are reviewing Texas All-Star Wrestling. That's coming up right after this. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the New Day podcast hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston and Big E. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. 
New Day podcast. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique, it's quirky, it's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show. The New Day Podcast. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. Oh, I'm ready to go racing. I'm ready to do it. Hello, everybody. My name is Thurman Plug. But my friends, they call me Sparky. You call me Sparky, too. I'm so excited about being here. But do you know what I like most about being here? Is when I'm strapped in the seat of that race car and I'm flying down that straightaway and they drop that green flag, I pedal to the metal. Just like when I come to the World Wrestling Federation, I'm gonna walk down that aisle and when I get in the ring and when they ring that bell, I'm gonna be wide open, pedal to the metal. And ain't nobody gonna stop. Sparky plug, you little shithead. Howdy! Welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, partner. Howdy, partner. All right, Quinn, we're doing Texas All-Star Wrestling. Thank you guys for being with us here. What the hell's Texas All-Star Wrestling? Yeah, I really <laughs> was... to find out here. I was Joe. I was like, what even, what even is this? Well, here's what we got. You remember, oh, a long time ago at this point, we reviewed Southwest Championship Wrestling a long time ago. Yeah, that was, what, what was that, Blanchard or Joe something? Blanchard. Okay, yeah, Joe Tully's dad. dad. Okay. Yep. And they actually, for a while, had a show on the USA Network until 1983. They got kicked off by USA for some bloody angle. I can't remember. And uh, this small-time business owner, Vince McMahon, swooped in and bought the time slot. You might have heard of Vince McMahon. I've heard of him before. He bought that time slot, the USA Network one. But nevertheless, Southwest continued throughout 85. And then in 85, Joe Blanchard's business partner, Fred Berend, kind of went behind Blanchard's back, sold... The time slot that they had down there. This is the most wrestling <laughs> shit. This is like not how normal business works. Well, it might be actually, Quinn. Uh, to Fritz von Erich, have you heard of him? Yes, I, I've heard of him. He, e- he evil German. Some, no. He has some kids. A couple of kids. Fritz, obviously, from world class in Dallas. And now we have a promotion called Texas All-Star Wrestling, which I guess partially owned by fritz i'm not clear on all the details here Mm -hmm. but you can let us know folks whatever you know about texas all-star but anyway yes it's in texas i don't know about the all-star part there is wrestling allegedly (laughs) there's some wrestling yeah out of the gate here i'm just gonna say i really didn't mind this but quinn had problems so we'll get into that a little bit here watch this late and i was (laughs) like i i don't have patience for this right now what's surprising is last week we did a world of sport which you watched late and you were very into that i think it's you know what I watched both of those late, and I think that World of Sport, yeah. it did the right things at the right time for me. This, on the other hand, I was like, it felt like a slog. So you think that, this is more of a midday watch, and yeah, then maybe this you would enjoy probably, it? If, if I were to recommend people how to watch, like when to watch things, <laughs> don't watch this late at night. You're just like, when is this over? I watched this in the afternoon, so I was happy. Maybe, maybe that's the difference that's, maker. Yeah. If I watch it at midnight or whenever you did, I might have been a little pissed off. Again, the iPad wasn't charged. I was going to watch it at like <laughs> Two 10. Weeks in a row? And then I, like, I get the iPad on, and then I'm like, it's got a battery? Like, what the hell? And I had to wait like a half an hour, 45 minutes to like start reviewing it. It is a hard life, Quinn. Yeah. I know. Let's get into this, folks. This is Texas All-Star Wrestling. This is September 14th, 85. Before we start, let's just talk about the world of wrestling around 
right now. WWF is riding the Hulkamania wave. WrestleMania yeah. 1, very successful, so they're doing good. Mm-hmm. NWA, JCP, they're doing good as well, gearing up for Starcade 85. That's true. Things are going well. NWA's also in a good, decent yeah. era, right? AWA is still doing well. I don't know if... I think Martell had already lost the title at this point, right? Yeah, yeah he wasn't they, champion they anymore. That, that was like financially an okay year for them. 85 was still very good for them. They were building some new talent uh, the next couple of years. World Class was still doing good in 85. That's around the tail end of their golden Everyone era. Everyone was booming. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And let's see what Texas All-Star Wrestling has in store for us. September 14th, 1985, and we're immediately greeted with this very 1960s-sounding adventure-style music to open up, Quinn. And I swear I've heard this music before. I like so, too. Are we sure it wasn't on that Southwest shit? Maybe it was their whatever. theme. Because the, whatever this song is, it plays constantly. It's like, good. It, it's like every single commercial break, <laughs> like even before they're about to go to the commercial, it's like, like it will like just start blaring over them talking it's great though i really like i really actually like it too yeah uh and you know you know how the intros are usually it's a lot of wrestling going on in the wrestling ring you know it looks like a sweaty local rec center like seriously you can see the roof (laughs) you know what i mean you might not be far off quinn with that comment honestly uh we have an immediate hard cut now to our host steve stack yeah he seems like a televangelist (laughs) i don't i really don't know any other way to describe him i'm steve stack at ringside what a great lineup we've got for you today i looked up steve stack i wanted i was just curious i, I you know me and my announcers yeah. i love to find out about announcers apparently this guy was uh, also on southwest if he was when we watched it i don't remember but the wrestlers really liked him because he treated uh, the product with respect he was very respectful towards them gusto. he's it, people really liked him apparently okay. he's since passed away but steve stack i don't know if there's any relation to robert stack of unsolved mysteries <laughs> Hello, I'm Robert Stack. Perhaps the answer will come someday soon, when the skies open up over another small community, and the blobs once again fall to earth. Anyway, Brother Stack here is with Shawn Michaels. Yes, Mm -hmm. Shawn Michaels, recently liberated from Jose. That's Shawn Michaels. (laughs) That one. Paul Diamond. That Paul Diamond. Yeah, Cato or whatever. And Chavo Classic, Chavo Guerrero Sr. Yeah, Chavo Classic, the the one that was good in WF <laughs> as a classic old man that got beat up. The one that's better than Chavo Jr. How is he better? Like, <laughs> even when he was old, he was better. He just is. He's good. You know what's really funny about this in general? I actually like the old man version better than the wrestler one like well, this one yeah he's not great this is not a clinic for him i don't know what it show. is about the old man version it's he's just really funny he's good yeah uh sean by the way looks so nervous here as stack hypes up the upcoming battle of the alamo 85 we're gonna hear a lot about that card coming up mm, boy chavo proudly shows off his texas tag belt that he had recently held with al madrill but madrill and he had a falling out Chavo can't find a partner now. And at this time, I feel that I cannot, I am not able to get a partner, not that there isn't any good ones around, and defend his titles because I still have something going without my drill. And this promo is poor. And he's just babbling <laughs> on it. He's like stumbling over his words. It's bad. It's so bad. And this this is something that's consistent with Chavo. Yeah, he's not good to, good on this like, show. Like, I thought that this was just like one mistake. No. And then like, it just keeps happening. Hey, it gets worse. Yeah. He then decides he's just going to give the tag bu- the tag belts here to Shawn Michaels and Paul Diamond. Um, okay, that's allowed. Like, <laughs> not in Tony's They act like it's fucking universe. official. Yeah. Like, they, they're, like the Steve Sachs like, oh, there you have it. Yeah. It's like, they're the new champions. Yeah, it's it's like, what? What? Now, see, under the auspices of Jack Tunney, you can't do that. No. In order for a wrestler to be deemed a champion, he must either pin the reigning title holder or make him submit. This, this is why this is like some a- kind of... 
fucking ragtag honest, shop down here. Honestly, how this goes down, this seems like in the in the Texas All Star Wrestling like Federation or whatever yeah, the fuck they are. Sure. Doesn't this seem like it would be some cataclysmic, like gigantic event that yeah. a title would be handed over and they're just like literally like <laughs> Sean and Paul are just like, okay, like <laughs> yeah. we're proud or something. And it's weird too, because normally Sean loses titles outside the ring. Usually doesn't get them outside the ring. Very yeah. interesting. This is what set him off his whole yeah. career here. It's like, oh, this is how you win titles? Yeah. And he just mumbles, of Sean does, about how happy he is as we fade away. He's like, oh, it's good. I got news for you. You know, these belts mean more now than I think people can imagine because what Chavo had to go through to get these belts, the blood, the sweat, and everything else. We won't let these belts Paul Diamond doesn't say shit. Good. Uh, yeah. We're back now. We're stack is suddenly at a podium. Did you notice that? Yeah. Now he's got a podium in front of I him. I think there was a commercial break. There was. was. The way the cut was. It was weird. <laughs> and uh, behind him is Big Bubba, who is actually Uncle Fred. Fred yeah, Ottman. Big Bubba Tugboat. <laughs> yeah. There he is. That's right. Fred Ottman, who had recently turned pro Quinn in February of the same now, year. He's Dusty's friend or something. His uh, son. Dusty's... What is it, the relation? Because dad, yeah, are they Fred? brothers? No, it's not. Brother-in-law, oh, I think, is it. what it is. Brother-in-law. Yeah. Fred Ottman here had recently turned pro in February. He is featured in this promotion. Uh, so flanking Big Bubber here are the new tag team champions, Shawn Michaels and Paul Diamond. Oh, we just saw that. <laughs> this, this, uh, just remember that, folks. Yep. This time, though, they're in a white muscle belly t-shirts and short shorts is there wrestling on this show i don't like, know what a way to start huh i know so stack excitedly runs down a card coming up which is going to feature little tokyo yes <laughs> that that little to- that no, little it's, it's the real one yep big bubba now happily talks about how he's ready to come back to waco texas to face the garbage that'll be in the ring against him tell you what steve i know these guys are just as excited as i am to come back to waco texas with the garbage that's going to be in the ring with us he also says that Sean and Paul Diamond deserve these tag belts. They didn't do anything. <laughs> they didn't do shit. Are you kidding? I hate when, like, why is the faces like, this is okay? You know what I mean? Yeah. They didn't, they literally didn't win them. How also, do they deserve them? Can I, you know what I just thought of? Like that Al Madril guy? Yeah. Doesn't he have anything to say about giving these tag Like, if he doesn't, he's like okay with not being a team anymore and giving him up. But I like, guess he gave him to Chavo. Did he just say, Chavo, like, we're not a team anymore, but you know what? You can just handle this. Like, get, get. It's like, I don't want to deal with you anymore. Just yeah. take the belt and go. This is yours. Yeah. Take it and go. Is there like, did this conversation happen in, in the know. background or something? Uh, but anyway, apparently Sean and Diamond are known as the American Force, which is kind of funny considering Diamond would later be in the Orient Express. Right. And Sean would be beaten up by a member of the American Armed Forces. Thank you. Oh, boy. Cut now to Al Madrill, The Hood, which is some mass tag team, very creative name. And, Quinn, your favorite, Little Tokyo. Again, it's that Little <laughs> Tokyo. This is before he turned face at WrestleMania 3. And he's, like, all proud. He is so proud. It's weird now having, like, in my brain, a Little Tokyo, like, heel backstory. Like, who he actually is. Like, I instead of him. just, like, the guy who turns face at WrestleMania 3. Now, he's not the one that Euchre liked, right? Was that Lord Littlebrook? Which one did, uh... Every uh, like, I like him. <laughs> there was one of them. Yeah, like, it might have yeah. been Little Brook. I don't know. Anyway, Al Madrill is a heel now. He had turned heel on Chavo. He rightfully points out that Shawn Michaels and Paul Diamond didn't actually beat anybody, and they couldn't even beat his grandmother. Those are some fighting Probably words. Probably fighting words. Yeah. They were handed those belts, huh? And they're bragging like they're big champions. Well, who did you ever beat? You never beat anybody. You couldn't beat my grandmother in her heyday. So how are you going to be proud of being champions? 
Uh, you want to know who Al Madrill is, Quinn? Yeah, who okay. is this guy? He was like one of those steady, consistent, like a good hand. He worked in the territory system, Vancouver. He worked, uh, obviously, in um, in here in Texas. He worked in Portland. Mm-hmm. Good hand, like never a megastar, gotcha. but long career, I think 70s to like 93. Just okay. a solid guy. Yeah, I mean, he's he not seemed, bad. He seemed like he knew what he was doing, yeah. which was was surprising just because you're like, who even the fuck is right. this? Like, it's like, he seems like he's been in the wrestling business for a while. Yep. You know? he, he never broke out into any of the more mainstream promotions like the Crockett area or WWF, obviously, but just a Kinda solid... like the stalwarts. Yeah. Like, you know, those the journeymen, if you One will. of those like solid journeymen, yeah. yeah. Like, that you could put him as the top heel if you wanted to, and he's good. Knows how to talk. Not bad. Anyway, Madrill says that Bubba, Tugboat, was going to have his blubber kicked over his shoulders. Uh, Tokyo, who was dressed like Tugboat. That's I'm not real. Kidding. That's 100% <laughs> real. He says stuff in Japanese, you know. Yeah, and the basic point of this problem is they're all going to win. Yeah, all the heels uh, are going to win. Allegedly. Good job. Uh, to the ring we go, where you and I both noted this fake Jim Barbecue is there. See, I'm glad you noted that, too, because I, I was like, why is he fake Jim Barbecue? He looks like, like him. He looks like him a lot, but just he doesn't say, and that's con- he doesn't yeah. talk like that. He doesn't sound like him at all, but yeah. he definitely looks like him. Yeah. He introduces uh, Al Gavigan, who might not be related to Jim Gaffigan. I'm not sure. I was thinking that the whole time. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I just didn't write it down, but like I seriously was thinking about that. I like Jim Gaffigan, but every single comedy special of his is basically, I have a lot of kids and I eat food a lot. Well, like That's every special. I'm not a big fan of him. He's I think okay. I've seen like one bit with They're him. all the same. Yeah. He's funny, but yeah. it's basically, I'm fat and I like food and I have five kids. I do love food. Some funky fucking music kicks in. I love that. Music is good. What is that song? Is that a real song? It has to be, right? I think so. It has to be because they use real music later. They use licensed music later, yeah. And where would they get, like, you really think this company is going to go seek out, like, instrumental (laughs) shit? No, probably not. Hello, wrestling fucknut. The name of the song is Dare Me by the Pointer Sisters. You know how I found that out? This hot new website called Google, you fucking shithead. To this great music is the USA Junior Heavyweight Champion, Dale Vesey. <laughs> this man looks familiar. Also, the announcers call him Dill, yeah. so I'm confused. <laughs> I thought it was, I, I kept hearing Dill, Dell, but it is Dale. It's Dale. It's just that Texas yeah, it's accent. 100% Dale, but they kept saying Dill. Dill. <laughs> uh, Dale Vesey, you know, Quinn, it ain't easy. Being VC, thank yeah. you very much. Now, uh, is he Hercules or like, no. who is this guy? Like, I noted that too. He looks like Mini Hercules. Yeah, he does. I couldn't figure like the whole uh, the whole time I watched this match, I wasn't thinking about the match as much as like who the fuck is it's this no guy? One. Like he's somebody, right? It's no one. No, it's just he was a wrestler. Weird. We've never seen him before that I know of. Uh, the ring announcer's name is Bill Merriman, by the way. Stack is also on commentary, and we do appear to be at a very small auditorium. Like you said, maybe a rec center, Quinn. You mm-hmm. look, you seem right. The ring itself looks okay, but the ropes look like garden hoses. <laughs> it's like a bad indie fan. It does. Uh, Chavo is now on commentary as well. We get a lockup and a push-off by VC. Uh, another, an arm drag by VC. Chavo admits that when he was a heel, he and Madrill, they stole those tag belts, you know. A couple of arm drags by Gavigan, both men up. Grapple and a wrist lock by VC. Reverse a few times back and forth. Gavigan takes over with elbows to the arm. Arms. Arm shit. I hate this. You love arm shit so much, don't you? That's, that's your classic. I, that's my go-to in my notes is if they do arm ar- shit. Arm shit. <laughs> it's, just, it's so constant and like just to me it's always uninspired. It's like if I don't know what to do, just, just put arm, on an arm bar. Arm, right? arm, arm. Yep. Chavo mentions that Hector, you know, his younger brother there, has challenged VC for the Battle of the Alamo here. VC's back in control now with a hard elbow. Stack is very pleasant. 
I think he's a good announcer, Quinn. I don't know what you think, but mm. I like him on commentary. He's, he's happy. So there's one thing what I look for in announcers, even if they're not technically skilled, is that they're enthusiastic and they're into it. He seems to care about he this He seems crap. to care, so yeah. that that's good enough. There's an elbow from the Georgia strong man. Now a kick to the chest. Body slam by VC gets one. <laughs> Come on. Why is he having trouble with this, like, child? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like a baby, like this guy. Al Gavigan. Yeah. Yeah, he's nothing. <laughs> now, was he L Gavigan? Or no, Al, Al. <laughs> I mean, it was the way they pronounced things. Anybody, there was multiple guys. Dill. Where, I thought Al Madri- Madrill. I thought he was saying El Madrill the whole time. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, the or- whole time. Armadillo. Yeah. I was just very, like, it's just the way Stack says things. This is a Texas accent, yeah. Michael. Uh, some stomps now as I realize that VC does look like a normal size 92 Hercules right. Quinn. That's exactly where exactly, I thought right? that. Choking by VC as Stack hypes up the Battle of the Alamo again. An absolutely heinous dropkick. This was poor. By like, VC. I, awful. <laughs> Gets and two. I couldn't tell if Gavigan messed up or that was one of those where yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't tell either. who screwed up there. It looked shitty. Yeah. Uh, front face lock now uh, by VC. Also, Chavo is not bad on commentary. He's promos are awful, but he's filling in nicely on commentary. Chin lock by VC. Stack mentions that next week, Quinn, Ernie Ladd is going to be here. They think they're so good because they have Ernie Ladd, huh? Like, yeah. like really? In 1985? It's like one year before the big event. He's like 100 years old at this point. Like, now, seriously, now, he like, might be. Now, that's no disrespect to Ernie. I love I, anything I've ever seen of him in the ring promo. He's great. Yeah, but like past 1980, he's like yeah. irrelevant. Right, right. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just he's always there and he's like, I'm big and fuck you all. Like, that's like literally what he does. I know. Front face lock again by VZ. Stack says midget about four times in 10 seconds. And then Chavo's like, I don't like to call them midgets. They're little people. He's very progressive and he's very like corrective about this. Like he keeps talking. He like goes, call him that. He like battles about it. Like how it's like they're wrong very nice to people. call them midgets and they're very nice people they're and all this. Nice. They're very nice people. Well, anybody can be like mean or nice, big or small. I don't. Whatever. Like it was just that was like really like awkward. Like the way it was like he was trying to like explain himself and stacks because before that stacks like oh the midgets are gonna be here. There's some good midgets. We're gonna have a lot of midgets. Tons yeah. of midgets, folks. Exactly. I don't like to call them that. They're little people. Chavo just <laughs> they're nice people. Very progressive. <laughs> it's very good. This week's going to be a midget and a big guy. It's going to be Chief Joe Lightfoot and the midget Pepe Gonzalez against a golden boy, Mike Golden, and that little midget, little Tokyo. Well, I'll tell you, there's people that saw saw these uh, little guys. I don't like to call them midgets. Be they're little people, Steve. Yeah, they're nice people. Nice people, they're little people. Swinging neck breaker by VZ and some punching here. Corner whip, but VZ misses a charge. Gavigan with a crappy face comeback, but VZ with a freaking power slam for the win. One guy in the crowd. Boo! <laughs> wow. Yeah, that stunk. Uh, we throw to an interview now with Big Bubba again and Stack and the other guy like translating it into Spanish. You know, the How whole many deal. interviews with the same people? <laughs> uh, we've heard from these people already. We saw Michaels and Diamond twice. We're seeing Bubba twice now. Enough oh already. Oh, God. So Bubba calls out one man gang. Yes, he's down there That's randomly. Weird. I didn't expect that. Yeah. He basically says he's going to kick the gang's ass, whether it's in the ring, outside the ring, in the alley, whatever he's got to do. He's poor at talking, by the way. Oh, he's bad. He's very poor. Life preservers. Yeah. <laughs> big rubber boat. <laughs> Stack now runs down some more of the big Alamo card. We're going to have Teddy DiBiase taking on Chavo Guerrero. Ted DiBiase? Yeah, he's everywhere. <laughs> Where the hell did he come They're from? They're also like North American champion. Yeah. Like, or, like, and it's like, 
didn't he have that WF? Is that the title <laughs> they're referring to? Seventy nine. Did he leave with that? Or no, something? that uh, became the IC in oh, Brazil. Right. Oh yeah. Well, that didn't really happen. <laughs> I know. Also, the Fantastics are going to be there, so they're pulling in guys from other territories because yeah. DBS eighty five Mid South, right? Are you, is he in UWF? Well, Mid South. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's a Doug and Tuxedo era. Right. 85, I, I don't think. know what this company is. Like, <laughs> the, it's like this hodgepodge, like, right. special guest star edition. I don't know. I think they were an NWA member, so right. they're able to have a talent exchange. Now, we now throw the clips from last week where Gang took on Bubba. It's crazy how many of these guys Vince picked up, by the way. Sean Michaels, mm-hmm. Paul Diamond, mm-hmm. Fred Ottman, One Man Gang. I mean, it's just like to name every a few. single person <laughs> right. that's on this show almost. Good For thing the most part. Pick up uh, Jim Gaffigan or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he did pick up uh, one of the girls. He picked up Hector also, the Gooker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Gooker. I don't count that. I count it. Hector the, counts the, it. The very good character, whatever he says. Gobble the Gooker was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking assholes. He needs to chill out <laughs> about that. He's very pissed. Or, the Gobble Gooker was a good thing. And the author of that idea deserves to be left alone. Gang nailed Bubba with his chain before taking his vest off, and this was like the start of the match or something like that. So Gang nails the ref and chokes out Bubba. Some punches. Bubba is busted open. Shakes off the punches, though. Big forearms by Bubba, but Gang fights back. This is good, Quinn. I don't care what you think. I mean, it's nice, but we don't have any contact. They're just fighting. They're you just mean? all of a sudden. I guess because they're they both just big threw guys. This. Like they didn't even. They're just like I don't like him, and then like they're like, look at this <laughs> thing that happened. Like why did it happen? I don't know. Well, because they're. They, they're bi- they're big. They're fat. <laughs> I don't know. Like this whole thing, Joe. This fight too is not very good. It's not inspired. It, it drags on. We'll yeah. see here. So it's a back and forth brawl basically. Before a bunch of mid carters run in to break it up, get punched away. More guys come in. Steve Stack is very funny here. He's like, here comes Carl Clark and somebody else. Well, <laughs> That's it's hard how I to feel. know who anybody else yeah. is because there's only like six people that work here or yeah. something. That's exactly how I felt. I'm like, yep, there's somebody yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. And also Private Terry Daniels. Ew. What the uh, hell is he doing? I he stinks. I don't know what this roster is. Like, it's very confusing. It's bizarre. Yeah. But it is mayhem now as Gang and Bubba are still going at it. Everyone's trying to break it up. Outside the ring we go where Gang hits Bubba with a chair. Like, all calmly, too. It's just like, it's like, oh, what's the, okay. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, like you said, it's very uninspired. It's a little uninspired, right? Uh, Bubba then grabs his own chair and nails the gang with it. Everyone keeps trying to break it up to no avail. Gang finds another chair, beats the shit out of everyone else as this brawl now heads up the aisle. And this goes on forever. You're right. Like, it's just two of them, like, hugging, <laughs> and no one can break it up, and it goes on for, like, three minutes. <laughs> like, it's so long. <laughs> like, I don't usually, li- I like brawls, yeah, oh, but yeah, this one too. was just very, like, like, other than, like, sometimes they would, like, pick up a chair to spice it up. Like, but even when they did that, it was, like, chair, like, lightly hits him. <laughs> then he just, like, hugs him. And then other people jump on. Yeah, and Shawn like, Michaels tries to break it up. It's like, this should have been, like, one minute long at most. And it was, like, it felt like half the show. <laughs> you know what, you know you know what, what hurt, I mean, right? Yeah, no, I do. You know what hurt it, too, in all seriousness? The camera work wasn't very good. No. So it was hard to get invested because it was this long, wide shot and the lighting was I bad. I they only had one camera. <laughs> Possibly. Maybe two. And then we literally see, I don't know if you caught this, a shot of an actual door with a knob and everything that yeah. goes to the backstage <laughs> area. True. Like an actual, yeah. like, regular... Like the fans could just, like, walk through <laughs> yeah, it, too. It was like, there was no nothing gating no. them off or anything. It's awesome. You see 
brown wood paneling everywhere, cigarette smoke filling the air. I'm serious. It looks like a York steakhouse around here. <laughs> Bubba breaks away from the face jobbers, charges gang as a chair suddenly appears from the crowd and nails Shawn Michaels, apparently a fan through it. Back to stack with the uh, trans translator now, who says that after this match, their TV crew talked to the gang, so we, uh, we're we going to go to that. And I need to mention here, too, that gang's hair is very fluffy for some reason. <laughs> it's like his mohawk is, like, puffed. I, his mohawk. <laughs> like, seriously. Mo Howard hawk. He yeah. has, like, a bowl cut mohawk. It's, it's weird. weird. Yeah, it's very weird. We cut to the gang yelling now about how he's going to win the big $100,000 two-ring 45-man battle royal, and he calls out Ernie Ladd. And Kamala, of course, okay, Kamala. first of all, excuse me, 45, man. What is this fucking WCW? <laughs> like, what is this, World War Three? Yeah, really. And, of course, Kamala. Like, yeah. Of course. You know all that is, that 45, man. That's their big thing all year where they spend all the money to pay, like, they bring a in bunch guys. of guys so they can make a big gate. And, yep. and it's like battle royal season, yep. big time. It's a nice gate. Yeah. And then, of course, he calls out Bubba as well. Yeah, and he's being so loud, too. Like, it's so, like it's just yelling. Like, it's just nothing else but yelling. <laughs> to ring Battle Royal! I'm gonna come out of there $100,000 richer! I swear, Quint, this feud is about who's fatter. I'm not really kidding. Be. Like, who's the better fat might guy? Might actually be the source of it. It's seriously it's possible because gang was probably there first or one of them was there first and the other one's like i don't like you because you're all it's like the andre feuds. yeah it's andre mulligan yep. andre big Stud. john stuff and you're all tall that. i don't yeah. want you to be tall exactly gang says that he is the number one punk slapper in the world you can add is, that to your list of catchphrases what does that mean uh, nothing uh we now throw to bubber again in the aftermath of that brawl chairs are all over the place the fans have left tugboat again yes just stop <laughs> enough who else is? Like, there's nobody else on this show. <laughs> and Bubba's pointing to all the, the overturned chairs. He's like, look at this upheaval. I can, I can literally see in the background the electrical, like, circuit box on yeah. the wall. The breaker it's like box. before the show or something. Yeah. This, feel, this whole show feels like Tugboat's side quest. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's all about Tugboat. It's all about him. Seriously, folks. If you ever wanted, like, the full, true backstory to Tugboat, it's here. Yeah, it's real. He's pissed the fuck off, though, and he's still bleeding. And then his voice starts cracking like he's running for Stark County Treasurer or something. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's still real to me, damn it, guy. Yeah, like, like yeah. he sounds like him. <laughs> yeah. Back. It's not like a full crack. It's no. just like a like a like a half yelly crack. A half yelly crack, exactly. Uh back to the ring now where the biker is introduced and I have to say, I'm with you, Quinn. We both thought due to fake barbecue's <laughs> accent here, yeah. Texas barbecue's accent that he said the baker. Weighing 242 pounds, the baker! The whole time, like, before <laughs> before Stack came in, yes. I literally was like, the baker. The, and I was, I was like, like, that's the best gimmick I've ever I, heard of. I was of. also like, why is he called the baker? Like, what? what is, is it? Is like his last name Baker? Like, I, I was, like, thinking about this. You know what his finisher should be? A roll up. Yeah, there Thank you go. You. Uh, but no, I I swear I thought this <laughs> the same thing. The baker. Okay. Yeah, I, I was can like, get oh, on board the with baker. this. Okay. Bun in the oven. There. I was fine with it too. <laughs> yeah, I know, just like you. Too. But then we find out it's the biker. I'm like, oh, that's more generic. But anyway, his partner is J.R. Hogg, who looks like Valiant Moon Dog or something. J.R. Hogg is a good man. Now here's the thing. I'm I want to say this too. When they started to say biker like yeah. when when steve sack said this i thought for sure oh jr hog like hog a bike oh a bike so huh? this extra confused me here <laughs> because i was like so wait jr hog is also called the biker no he's like, not the biker exactly right. so that's like what really i was like i was like the baker and jr hog the biker like that's like what i thought 
I swear I've heard the name J.R. Hogg before. I swear I've heard Junior of him. Junior Hogg. Junior Hogg. So now the heat is on kicks in for their opponents, the team of Chavo Guerrero and Big Bubba. Oh, why is there like six people? Like, seriously, enough. Enough of these. We just saw them. What the hell? How? We go away. I've had enough. I've really had enough. Chavo and Hog start lockup goes nowhere. Get some walking around. A Greco-Roman that Chavo flips out of nails a drop kick, then some punches. Tagged Bubba, who fats his way in with an axe handle, then a crummy hip toss. It's weird seeing Tugboat like not as fat, by the way. Yeah, he's a little slimmer here, right? He's slightly a slimmer. Bit. His belly isn't as big. Right, true. The baker is in now. Uh, Bubba shoves him down. Go behind by biker. Bubba ass butts out of it. Yes, really. He tries a single leg, does the biker, but no dice there. Chavo back in with an arm drag and a knee lift. He tags him Bubba and holds down the baker here for a big splash. Then Bubba grabs a toe hold for no reason after is, a splash. This is junky. <laughs> like, this is just really it's junky. Crummy. Chavo in now with a surfboard, a hog back in with some forearms. He thinks he's so good. I like hog, actually. Yeah, hog is <laughs> proud. He's like a fat valiant, aka yeah. like a moon dog almost. Or like, a biker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're right. Uh, the referee for this and the match before, we're finding out his name. It's Fred Sinclair. I Is wonder, he related to Todd? I wonder if he's, uh, yeah, Todd Sinclair's dad or something yeah. or older brother or something. Chinlock by Hogg. He gets Chavo on his shoulders. And then I don't, what was this? Like, Hogg's got Chavo on his shoulders and then they just walk around stupidly around oh, the right. ring. right, yeah. What, what was that? What is this? I don't like, know. He, just, he walks around and like the best part is that doesn't Chavo get like the tag while he's got him on his shoulders or the other way around Hogg does? Hogg gets the tag, Chavo kicks the arm away, but then he just tags in anyway. So weird. Really dumb. So Biker comes in now with crummy forearms. He knocks Chavo off of Hogg. Arm drag by Bike into a front face lock, but Chavo with a fireman's carry Irish whip a crappy kick. And attacked Bubba. All right, come on, all right. Like, <laughs> just get it get going here. I, I've had enough of these people. Like, it's the same people. This match is bad. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Fred storms and he doesn't trip on his way, thankfully. Irish whip, nice clothesline, followed by a vertical splash for the win. Well, at least it's over. Yep. He's too gone now. Like, jeez, <laughs> like, enough. I can only see the same three people so many times. I know, it's tough. We clip the commercial. We come back to the Samoan who... Yeah. Taking on Nick Kaninsky. Oh, that's extra. Uh, who? That's Gene Kaninsky's son. Remember Gene Kaninsky? Is this former- related to Eugene somehow? I don't know. No. Why, I don't know why. Like that Eugene. went in my brain. No, <laughs> too Nick- much new gen today. Nick Kaninsky yeah. is the son of Gene Kaninsky, who was the NWA champion. He's a guy that uh, beat. Who did he beat for it? Luthez. Oh, okay. And lost it to Dory Funk. And then he was the worst referee ever. You know what I think? Starcade 83. You know, you know what I think I'm doing? What? Is that remember how Eugene is Nick something somewhere Dance else? More. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> I think that's what just happened in my head there. But yeah, Nick, Nick Kaninsky was a son. Uh, he had a cup of coffee in WWF. He's been all around the place. He was an AWA. Anyway, the Samoan guy does not look like any of the Anawai or Fatu family. That's for He's sure. Basically, like dressed like Snuka. Are yeah. you serious? He's literally like dumpy, cheap Snuka. He is like, seriously. He, he's crusty. He's dressed like Snuka. I looked the guy up. He's not anything. He's definitely <laughs> not in the the famous Samoan family. It's literally like they saw this guy working for them, and they were like, "You look sort of like Jimmy Snuka." Here's some leopard print underpants. <laughs> yeah, and like, a headband. Yeah, it's like, that's exactly what they did. He's poor. <laughs> Lock up, nothing, standing around. Fred Sinclair is the ref again, hip tossed by the Samoan. Kaniski looks like imitation primetime Brian Lee here. Not in a good way. More stingy. <laughs> Stinky. He's like Saturday morning cartoon Brian Lee. Horrible. <laughs> Side headlock 
by Nick. Push off, shoulder block by Kaninsky, off the ropes again with a boot. Body slam by Nick gets to nothing happening here as Steve Stack is putting over the Alamo show again. Also, they just throw in, by, by the way, little Tokyo will be fighting Speedy Gonzalez. I'm like, is that real? Well, like, it kind of is, yeah. What the fuck? You know what? With all this Alamo talk, I cannot believe that someone didn't have the forethought to use the tagline Remember the Alamo to hype this show. Uh, maybe they Come could, on! Maybe they could get sued by, like, the Alamo Visitor Center or something. What, no, what Visitor Center is going to sue anybody? Well, remember that Visitor Center that's in Pee Wee Herman movie or whatever? Quinn, that's a film. That's it, not real. That lady that works there, no, and but, she, like, falls in love with Pee Wee? No, that's not a real... What? That's fiction. I don't know what you're talking about. Corner the what? Visitor Center has to exist, though. They couldn't just base it off nothing. Well, they're There's, not like, going to sue people. Uh, maybe. Maybe. There's rights. <laughs> Corner whip by Kinski is reverse hop over by Nick, and an absolutely awful fireman's carry by Kinski gets a two count. Just terrible, <laughs> terrible, awful wrestling. Irish whip by the Samoan back elbow, then an elbow drop gets one. Body slam by Samoan and a stomp. Off the ropes, a back body drop by Kinski, and then a dump ass, dangerous looking belly to belly for the win. Undeniably crappy, dank, and terrible. This is <laughs> shitty. This is just horrible. Yeah, it's just a waste of my time. They were, what are they new? What are yeah. they? Don't put this on television. It's funny because you before this were like, I kind of like this show, but look at that piece. That of shit. was bad. That, that was bad. No, that was really bad. Steve Stack now throws to Ox Baker. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Speaking of bakers, he Speaking of Yelly. <laughs> yeah. He yells about how he's back from South Africa where he won the world title over there. Sure he did. But now, <laughs> what like what does what? that what, what does world that mean? Title? Like the South African world title? Yeah. So then only what is that only South Africa? Yeah, I, don't I don't understand. Uh but now he wants to win that hundred thousand dollar battle royal coming up, so he calls out Ernie Ladd. He calls out Bruiser Brody, of course he'll be there. Calls well, out- there's a lot of people in this. So. But don't forget, he also calls out Bubba. Seriously, does Tugboat's dad own this company? Like, so, like, what is going on? Like, why do they only talk about him? That's how you put someone over, I guess. You talk about him a lot. He's not that good. He's very bad. Yeah. This is not good at all. He doesn't seem like something you base your company around. You don't. Yeah. They learn that quickly because he, he very quickly became just either a stooge or a henchman or a tugboat or a typhoon. Yeah, whatever. Buffoon. Uh, we go to commercial as Ox Baker is still rambling, which is fine with me. So we're back now where Stack is with uh, Pepper Speedy Gonzalez here. <laughs> and Chavo, Chavo wanders into hype. Of course he does. The Waco show. Yeah, like, of course. Of course Chavo. Like, is there anybody else? Like, also, Gonzalez is standing on like a box. Yeah, it's by real. The way. Like, well, he's a, he's a little person. This interview is purposeless. Like, it's literally, I didn't even understand it because the the Gonzalez guy that's standing on a box, he doesn't say anything. He's just No, it's standing. like he's in the shrine room in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, he's just statue. Stand, yeah, he's standing there and he's just smiling at the camera. And he never speaks. And Chavo's like, yeah, things are going to happen. It's like, yeah, he's like that Goro statue or whatever. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's like the Liu Kang one that's like, they're all doing the, their end game like at the end of the match poses. Like, I always like that stage. I like, I like Mortal Kombat, I, first I actually, one. like, as a kid, I always wondered if, like, one of them would come back to life if you, like, did something. You, you know, know what I mean? And, like, come and just punch you and kill you. They would have done that in, like, Mortal Kombat 2 if they had that stage, I like bet. Like, if or there was, three. like, a redux of yeah, the stage, yeah. they totally would have done that. They would have right. done that. Uh, we throw now to Dale VC in the ring with Little Tokyo. Once again, because there's six people. <laughs> we've seen all these people before. Literally no one knew yet. Ox Baker is the newest thing that happened. 
Yes. Well, yeah, and Simone Kaninsky and then Big. And we're literally right after the same, like, six people just appear again. They're like, oh, by the way, remember us? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So VC's rambling on about Privateer Daniels here. Meanwhile, Tokyo is doing some martial arts. Tokyo's good yeah. because of his facial expressions. He's actually entertaining. He actually know he it, sound, it seems like he's acting like Mr. Fuji. Yeah, with the a little Mr. bit. Mr. Fuji acts. Yep. Like, if he maybe he's doing an imitation. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's funny. We cut now to Stack with Al Madrill and the translator. And this I found funny. They're all just casually sitting on the ring apron like it's a fucking stoop or yeah, something. Yeah, they're just like gabbing they're it just up. hanging it. Al Madrill, we talked to Madrill earlier when he asked that he come out here on the close-up just to be calm. We don't want any fighting. We don't want any screaming and hollering. Uh, so Stack says he doesn't want any fighting, any screaming or anything like that from Madrill. So Madrill first makes fun of the translator for not understanding English, which is funny because... Of course, the translator he understands has to. English. It's yeah. like its only job. That's a funny heel joke. He then brags about how he's wrestled Jack Briscoe. He's wrestled Harley Race. He's wrestled Ric Flair. He's wrestled both Funk brothers, and they never beat him. Which has got to be bullshit. <laughs> There's no way. It has to be. Stack basically asks why Madrill turned heel, but Al gets all huffy and he doesn't answer. So Stack switches gears. And he's like, why are you even here then to begin with? And Madrill says, well, because the toughest competition in the world is here. Well, if Tugboat is the <laughs> toughest in the world, then that's the only way this could be true, because he's like the only person that's here. <laughs> what do you think of Madrill? I kind of like him. I like him, too. But Good this, talker. Okay. This promo is weird, Joe. It's long. Because it devolves into, <laughs> what do you think of this guy? Yeah. What do you think of that guy? It turns guy? into like 60 minutes. <laughs> he asked him about... Again, he asked him about the six or seven people that work here. We'll get to some of it, yeah. too, because it is. it is. It's funny. Madrill mentions how he doesn't need the money for all this shit, and then he pulls out a check for $12,000. Right. You see, it's $4,000 a person to enter the $100,000 Battle mm-hmm. Royal, so he's got 12000 because it's 4000 for himself and the rest for the hoods. Right. Because I guess he's basically like, yeah, I'm kind of their manager. I'm, I'm like their, I'm like their uh, consultant he's or something like that. He's buying them in. He's buying them and in. And he's like, well, money's nothing to me. He's like, here you go. Here's a check. He's a million-dollar man, Al Madrill, over here. (laughs) He actually busts out the check, and then he puts over the one-man gang, taking on big, fat Hubba Bubba, as he says. I agree with that name. (laughs) He then says Teddy DiBias is going to kick Chavo's ass. I like that he's friends with DiBias because, of course, it's like, oh, fuck Chavo. (laughs) You know know what I mean? Teddy DiBias is very good. Fuck Chavo. Basically. It's good. He also thinks Kamala is good. He's not. Uh, Yeah. The hoods are going to beat the Fantastics, Al thinks. And again, why is he just asking about like matches or people? <laughs> yeah, like, like, he's what? just like, what do you think of Ted DiBiase? What do you think of Ox Baker? Yeah. What do you think of the one-man gang? What do you think of Chavo? Like, you know, it's just all he just lists people. Yeah. And then he's like, Scott Casey, he's a drugstore cowboy. Something, something. Hector. Yeah. Like, it's just ridiculous. Hector. Stack again asks, why did you turn heel? He doesn't say, why did you turn heel? He's like, why did you go to the other side? Yeah, why did you switch sides? He, yeah. af- that's after the string of, what do you think? Yeah. This, what do you think with that? He and then he again. sneaks in. So why wh- did why did you turn yeah. him basically? And Al flips the fuck out. He like throws the sunglasses off and then he storms off. This was weird but entertaining. And it was. might have been the most entertaining thing on the entire show. So far, like, I, think. I can't think of anything better than this. That brawl had potential, but it was too long. And it was too huggy. <laughs> it, there was a lot the of chair hugging. shots were dainty. Yeah, because Gang is such a nice guy. I think they're both like such nice guys. Like yeah. Fred Ottman, also the real nice guy. So. Yeah, they won't hurt each other. No. To the ring now for a six-man tag here. It is the Hoods. Yay. 
And this fucker again, Golden Boy Mike Golden. This guy appears at the weirdest uh, times. Nobody cares about him. He's like imitation Buddy Landell, if that's even possible. <laughs> when, that's what you, when, that, when that's what you're the imitation of, there's problems. Yeah. Born in the USA hits because reasons. Ironically, Sean Paul Diamond, who was born in Croatia, and Chief Joe Lightfoot come out. <laughs> oh, God. It's like another fake chief. Yes. There we go. And the other irony is that Joe Foot here. Is introduced from Quebec, and he's coming out to born in the Excuse USA. Excuse me? I didn't even notice that. It's real. Uh, Sean and Diamond have matching gear, blue trunks, white boots, little tassel knee pads. Sean and a hood lock up. I don't know which hood. I don't care which hood. Arm bar by Sean. Off the ropes in a shoulder block. Pair of arm drags by Sean. Tag to Diamond. He works the arm for a bit. Tags in another foot who uh, leaps off a forearm. Irish open and back elbow. Off the ropes again. Chopped by the foot here. Sean back in. Second rope for him. Diamond in again. Works the arm. Golden comes in now to do some very uninspired off. This guy sucks. Unless he was good elsewhere, I haven't seen him be good yet. <laughs> Another hood back in. Maybe it's the same hood. I don't care. Hood with a double chop and a pin for a zero count. The other hood comes in as Madrill wanders over to commentary and makes fun of women in Texas weighing 300 pounds. He needs to just stop with that. Like, <laughs> he's bored. He's like, it's a good place with old women weigh 300 pounds. Like, that's what he says. That's like, a Bobby Heenan yeah. joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Diamond avoids a dropkick, tags in Sean, who lands a pair of super kicks on the hoods. This is a real house of K. Oh, kid. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Not breaking any hearts yet, but he yeah. is a kid. Yeah, exactly. Get it? I bet Sean wins this with like a sunset flip a or something. Special K. <laughs> Just as I type that, though, a Pier Sixer breaks out because Miss Madison, the valet of a uh, Golden Boy over here. I, that's her name. I didn't I, even. I, was trying, I don't know. She's like fake woman. I didn't. Like, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Like, that's what she was acting like. I didn't even want to rewind it to find out her name. OK, yeah. enough of this show at this point. She trips Sean. So the ref calls for the bell. I was like, what? Like, that, <laughs> what like Sherry ending. does that kind of thing all the time and no one cares. Like, it's just that's like, oh, you. Hey, stop out there. Like, yeah, I know. Stop the match, but you realize it's because they're like out of time. Yes, like somebody was like, "Tell them the show's over, go home." <laughs> yeah, so they do. The brawl continues here. It's very uninspired. Steve Stack still yelling about next week and the Alamo. Then everyone just calms down and the heels leave. And then we see a montage of various clips, not from this show, just a montage of like action in general. <laughs> I feel like this bombastic theme was like the only thing going for them. Yeah, like, I this guess show so. was painful. It was okay. It, it wasn't boring, but it wasn't good but it like i don't know you the, know the, the you, whole you're kind of right the whole show joe i'm just waiting for <laughs> like every like that's like i'm because that to me is a signal for okay we're moving to the, like, yes. that when that's like literally what i'm waiting for that stupid like <laughs> like like that to happen like the whole time you got problems because that's that's me my brain saying i just want this to end i hear you to the show's credit, I have to say this. At least it looks like they do like storylines. We're in the middle of two Bubba and Gang and uh, Madrill and Chavo. But it's got the cast of a soap opera. Like it's like the same five to six people. Yeah. Like that do the same thing. And I know. It's, it's like you're jumping from scene. It's like literally you're jumping from like the Pine Valley Mall to like <laughs> the fucking like like Susan Lucci's house. And like it's like you're jumping back and forth. And that's all this show is. It's just. I get you, Quinn. Yeah. yeah I understand what you're saying. Overall, it was okay. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't good. I liked Al Madrill. I Al, thought he was entertaining. Al Madrill's the best part. I really think he might have been the best part. Other than that, none of the wrestling was really good. No. The Seriously, wrestling was bad. The tag match with Fred Ottman was some these, awful. Some of these jobbers were just... They, they, they were, they were not, not up to snuff, let's put no. it that way. They were not even like good at like being jobbers. Kanitsky and Samoan was 
just terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible stuff. Gaffigan uh, stunk. That, yeah, VC and Gaffigan wasn't very good. The six man at the end was like three minutes. It was pointless. Yeah, Sean well, was, like, was a we baby. We ran out of time. Yeah. yeah. I guess this wasn't very good, but I didn't mind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Objectively, it wasn't that good, but I still didn't mind it for some reason. I, I don't was know. not in the mood for it. I know. Yeah, at all. <laughs> but uh, you know what, Quinn? I think next week, we've we've been venturing a little weirdly lately. We did World <laughs> of Sport. We did yeah. fucking WCW 99. Yeah, well, <laughs> next week, WWF, please. We got to get back <laughs> to our roots here. Refresh our all right, palettes so, here. Yeah, we really need to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it was it was crappy. I guess you're right, Quinn. I'll have to agree it with you. It was dump. It was dumb, but that's folks. my that's my final word on it. If you wanted to send that to the observer, this episode was dump. Okay, but folks, we hope you don't think this episode of OVP was dump as we have romped you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. We will, of course, be back next month to kick off May. That's right, episode number one seventy five. In the meantime, please follow us on Twitter if you haven't at OVP Podcast. Also, if you can support the show and you want the extra content patreon.com slash OVP podcast Royal Rumble coming up in May it will be worth it we promise leave us a review on iTunes Apple Podcasts other than that we hope you guys are doing alright you can reach out to us on Facebook if you need to talk about the retro wrestling or anything else but until next week until next month I'm Joe Murata that's Michael Quinn we're out of here see ya You see this, people? Look at this upheaval around here. Look at all the chairs. The battle went from the ring out into the floor. It can go out into the street, gang. I don't care what it takes. The 29th of September. San Antonio's the place, brother. And let me tell you, I've got you in a single match. It's you and me. If it doesn't go there, if you make it to the Battle Royal, that $100,000 Battle Royal, we can go there. We're two big men. There's two rings. If we can't do it there, we'll take it into the street. If we can't, we'll go out into the alleyway. It doesn't matter where. It's going to be me and you. I got a score to settle with you. You suckered me once. You're not going to do it again. So I'm going to be ready for you. I hope you're ready. No blood's going to stop me. And I am seeking our party's nomination for the position of Star County Treasurer.